Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, episode 133, with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Dedman, sporting a go on. Get your t-shirt out again, Renfrey. <laughs> Tell just, everyone what t-shirt you're wearing. I just showed Steve that I was wearing my Mogwai Batman t-shirt uh, because I'm very, very excited about the fact that p- potentially they'll have a number one album in a couple of days by the time people hear this, if you listen yeah. to it the day it comes out. Uh, and uh, that excites me greatly. So we've kind of, I thought we were going to do that in the news, but we sort of said it already, haven't we? Well, so. you, yeah, and you've, it was more to do with your t-shirt you you decided to just start throwing that in there so you shut that bit up that's that's the the reason that's the reason why i'm wearing it i dug it out as a good luck gesture hoping that they Mm. get there i've never i've never if it doesn't then that means that (laughs) renfrey is solely responsible for ruining (laughs) the chance of a band like mogwai getting a number one album it's really weird i've never cared ever in my life and then mogwai because mogwai it, it just seems so unlikely it's just so it's so mm. unusual uh suddenly i actually give a shit so yeah it's bizarre isn't it but there you go there you go well that was the last bit of the news that we've done <laughs> before we've even done the intro um <laughs> on the show this week we're going to be reviewing new music from architects from julian baker from nofx and from glitterer just want to say before we start as ever big thank you to our friends over at signature brew who have been brewing music industry inspired beers for the last decade uh, right in the heart of east london i say at the heart of east london every year. i don't really know it's east london i mean whether it's the heart or the the pancreas um who knows but they do but you've just pulled a very quizzical face there like do you want to go down this road? And I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure that i do to be honest i just thought i'd bring it up because ultimately um i'm just going to say the same thing which is i went for a walk with my mate and we had some polyphonic peach oh, yeah. on the way and it yeah. was really nice yeah yes i called you just before you were doing this so i called you yeah. before the uh the tensions boiled over in overton um have the police been <laughs> round in your house? Have the police been? No, round no, we have. We've been ve- We've been incredibly well behaved. Oh yeah. Socially distanced. I, arm's length, hand him over the can. Okay. No littering. And then we, no littering. We wait yeah, until we get say. out of the sort of glare of the mean streets of Overton, and we get yeah. into a more kind of woodland esque area. Oh. And then we. St- Are you open going dogging? No, I'm not going dogging. There's lots of. <laughs> there's loads of greenery around here okay i'm in the middle of nowhere and so you get out you know the, the sort of the streets you don't want to be walking down the street glugging a bit do you not on my well, age pathetic. I, I do <laughs> yeah no, but you're far i mean the standards that you have for your life are far lower than mine they are yeah. and they're lower <laughs> than most people's i think yeah i think they probably are and so right. i you know i well you know I, <laughs> we deal in facts here Renfrey we deal in facts on this show um and uh yeah so you know they were they were just delicious and they've proven to be just um a really nice little extra thing while the lockdown is happening I mean hopefully soon you'll be able to go maybe to the Signature Brew Brewery in East London oh, if, we all, nice. if we all play our part and behave by May seems quite a long way away but it's not that long by May, we'll be able to go to Signature Brew and say, I've been drinking your drinks from cans on the street. Can you now pour me one in a glass, fresh, and I'll sit with you and drink it. And that just, that to me feels like the most magical thing that could happen. I'm welling up at the thought of it. Oh. Could happen. It could. Yeah, it could happen. Um, I think we'll discuss that a little bit later, won't we? We probably will. I mean, I've got in again. I've got into something else uh, again. Um, but anyway, <laughs> just look. Just had a go at me for doing exactly we, that. I know. 
we love well i hadn't put that in the script so that feels like it kind of was just floating above the ether okay. we could have gone in anywhere really okay. uh with a specific place for mogwai anyway go over to signaturebrew.co.uk they have many many delicious beverages and when you do get to go to the signature brew brewery in may or whenever um there was a plethora for you to try and i can pretty confirm that pretty much all of them are absolutely delicious Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not had one that I've been like, tell. Uh, not not a single one. But then, no, yeah. I couldn't drink too many of the passion fruit ones. I will say that because they are taut. Well, there are plenty of one. There's plenty of mm. beers where like like it's really nice to have just one or two. Yeah, you know, especially like um, um, I remember drinking loads of beers in Bruges. Uh, all those Belgian beers, they're absolutely fantastic. But you can only have one or two. Yeah, they. they 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 got nothing to do with us though, so so oh yeah no Belgian fuck, fuck Belgium go you can't get ten percent off if you put the code right act in belgianbeer.com, can you <laughs> whereas you go to signaturebrew.co.uk and put ten percent uh, get and put right act in the code you'll get ten percent off all of your purchases and we thoroughly recommend that you do that also uh, as ever patreon.com forward slash right act podcast we have a plethora of bonus exclusive content for you the more hardcore right act listener over there and some of the best things we've ever done we have just this week released our special on typo negatives october rust and typo being a cult band i wouldn't say that the the reaction wasn't wildly wild in terms of the amount of people that were going mad for the record but in terms of the people who got in touch with us all of them were like oh my god thank you thank you thank you so that was really really nice yeah. and I'm, I'm glad that the hardcore typo um, contingent of the podcast really really enjoyed that because i love typo negative so fucking much it was very clear from can't even uh, bear it how yeah. much i love them mm. um so that was really good and we've also recorded our next two specials that are going out on classic albums shall i just say since we've recorded them yeah we might as well mention them yeah you picked uh for two weeks time you have picked the Smashing Pumpkin Siamese Dream. We recorded that the other day. Mm -hmm. That was great. Mm -hmm. Very compelling argument as to why Siamese Dream is the best Smashing Pumpkins album. Mm -hmm. Which it is. That's all you're going to say about that, is it? Mm, yeah. Well, I want to save it? Don't want to spunk it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look, I mean, I wasn't sure, to be perfectly honest. And I came away going, I think it probably is. Yeah. 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 I mean, it maybe one day we will properly revisit melancholy and infinite sadness because i think that is a spectacular record in many ways but the the consistency the, the constant brilliance of siamese dream was something which i think i'd maybe forgotten about mm -hmm. uh, over the last however long and going back and listening to it like 15 times over the last two weeks I just love every solitary second of that record pretty much yeah it's which, incredible which you can't really say of melancholy, really. I mean, I do appreciate it's double the length, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, you know, yeah. So that will be coming for you, not this coming Monday, if you're listening to this podcast, the day it comes out, but the Monday after. And then two weeks on from that, so three weeks from now, basically, I think. Um, or less, yeah. my, my next pick, we've already recorded that. We're getting, we're, we're trying to get back into a rhythm of doing these classic albums uh you know way in advance and making sure that all of our content is going up because obviously we stumbled a little bit towards the end of last year when shit gets busy so we're trying not to do that so much this year um i picked the 1979 self-titled debut album by the specials mm -hmm. which we've already recorded and 
I say this quite a lot, but it might be one of my favourite ones we've done because I think the you know the context surrounding the specials is just so fascinating, and what they achieved as a band away from music, I just think is seminal and unbelievably important. So yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to having people hear that, like really. And if 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 you think like oh, scars just you know less than jake and real big fish being silly and wearing hawaiian shirts or whatever like no that music is unbelievably important yeah it's a fascinating uh fascinating chat about that time and the history of uh britain in the late 70s and early 80s i guess we went to the early 80s mm-hmm. a little bit as well because we do cover ghost town their biggest song um cheated a little bit because it's not actually on the album but it's a single uh it was only yeah. a single was it? it yeah so. it, was an, it was an ep yeah was it an EP? Oh, I thought it was just... Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Very interesting chat about uh, yeah. the, the the differences then and now, and unfortunately, some of the similarities then and now as well. It felt very pertinent, the fact that we were able to bring up so much stuff which is relevant today mm. uh, from 40-odd years ago, which is, you know, a little bit depressing. But, you know, I'm very happy and proud of, of that one. And I think the Pumpkins one again, Renfrey did an excellent job. So like I say, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. You can go over. It's £5 a month. You get Typo now. You get Typo along with all the other specials we've done. Beatles, Weezer, Sepultura, Pixies, Depeche Mode, System of a Down, Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age, Cave In, Blur, Lamb of God, Glassjaw, U2, Nick Cave, Guns N' Roses, Pink Floyd. There's loads and loads of bands that we've covered already from a myriad of different genres over on the classic album. And I would say they are the best things that we do, in my personal opinion. We also, this week, if you don't want to stretch the £5 and you only have a quid on you a month that you think you can um, you can give us, is uh, our, our recent chat for our writers reviews where you get to suggest a record if you do sign up for our patreon page we just this week gone have released a special on craftworks the man machine from 1978 and um i thought that was a great suggestion it was alec alec chillingworth thank you alec for your contribution and your suggestion i thought it was a, a great suggestion because uh, you know i i i had just gone in on Craftwork, mm. which is kind of why we did it, to be honest, because I had just had this massive Craftwork binge. And, um, you know, The Man Machine is certainly one of the most significant Craftwork records. Mm. And it was quite interesting to, so quickly after I'd consumed the entirety of Craftwork's oeuvre, to then have to sort of dissect it uh, in some kind of way, which I think we did quite well. I mean, you hadn't ever listened to any craft work before ever no i hadn't no so no no i totally never, fresh yeah i'd never sat down and listened to an album i should say yeah um yeah. yeah and there were lots of lots of really big surprises i was really pleasantly surprised i i kind of assumed that it would have aged and dated in a far worse way than it has and and i mm. actually think there's something surprisingly contemporary about it um so yeah i, I was really pleasantly surprised i thought it was a really interesting record definitely well gill of of gill on this show fame actually just tweeted us before we started recording when he saw that and he was like oh my god you know and he did a big thing about uh, it's amazing how that album would have sounded dated in 1993 but it doesn't sound dated anymore exactly. and i think we said a yeah. similar sort yeah. of thing that yeah, yeah, you know yeah. craftwork kind of transcends the idea of a retro sounding band in a lot of ways which yeah. is pretty amazing yeah particularly at so, the moment they're particularly relevant at the moment Mm. um yeah yeah 
so that is out now. Next week, you'll be getting a special Riot Ears review on Beyond by Dinosaur Jr., mm-hmm. which is one of the Dinosaur Jr. albums that I'm not as familiar with, I have to admit, but we will be doing that, mm-hmm. so that's cool. Um, yeah, they, like I say, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast, all of that stuff is there. I mean, we're 60-odd Riot Ears reviews in at this point, I think, aren't we, Renfrey? 57, 58? We're, yeah, we're approaching 60. Yeah, yeah. we're approaching 60. Not bad, is it? Not bad. No, nope, not, not bad. Not bad at all. So yeah, you get quite a lot of bang for your buck, just a quite a, a, a minimal amount of money. Um, all right, uh, it's a pretty big week for news, Renfrey, so let's get right into it right now. First of all, Daft Punk have split up. Uh, they've actually split up. They did a video, uh, which was called Epilogue, which is a kind of seven minute, 30 something long video of the two of them walking through the desert. And then one of them stops and he takes his suit off and they program this little thing, which is a countdown. He walks over the desert. He explodes. There's some music and that's it. And from that, we are to deduce that Daft Punk, the French electro pioneers and odd chaps in helmets (laughs) (laughs) uh, are no more. Um, Well, well, their press team have confirmed it. So, yeah, their press team have confirmed it. This isn't this isn't us like... (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. Saying no. something well, which definitely isn't true. If, if if we got it wrong, everybody got it yeah, wrong. Yeah, exactly. um, well, I, you don't strike me as someone who would be particularly that much of a Daft Punk fan. I have to say, not not a huge one. I I kind of lumped them in with a lot of those sort of nineties dance acts along the lines of sort of Chemical Brothers and the Prodigy and so on and so forth. Not that I think that they're exactly the same at all. They obviously had a more kind of like arty aesthetic. Um, the the manner in which I mean, you know the. Uh, just just the fact that the way that they dressed and the way that they put their shows on and stuff like that, they always looked like extravaganzas and I always had like a lot of respect mm. for them from the point of view of them. You know, they clearly always did something that looked amazing and always put on a spectacle and something that well, seemed the, genuinely the, different. Yeah, the Michel Gondry, I was going to say the, that in, mm. on that point, the kind of Michel Gondry video for Around the World obviously was one of the first things a lot of people saw, particularly if you're of a similar age to me. And... Um, yeah, that was a real like. What the fuck is this? This is mental. Like, mm. what even is it? Uh, and I think every any any time a band do that, it's something what you don't really understand or you can't really comprehend, I think that's probably a pretty good sign that I, they're totally, on the right track. Totally, I totally agreed. Yeah, and and it's so um, like when we talk about identity and stuff like that, I, I I couldn't really comment on them musically because I'm just not. I've not gone in on them all that much, but certainly in terms of their identity as a stage presence and stuff like that, I mean, it's unique. There's no one else who was doing that thing, really. Um, And that is always something that you have to... um, you have to applaud in music. And they got absolutely massive off the back of it. I mean, we were talking about um, their... Their last single, uh, Get Lucky, you know, which is such a monumental big hit. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you couldn't get away from it that, that summer um sound of the summer as limmy would say check out daft punk's <laughs> sound of the summer yeah. it's weird was. it's weird because when it came out that summer the song was driving me crazy because it was so overplayed but like i've actually there's been enough time between then and now and i actually like i do look at it now and go it is a very good song it's very well put together yeah i mean that album random access memories came out in 2013 at that point you think well nobody's buying records anymore that sold over a million copies in the united states of america alone that's i mean three hundred thousand in the uk nearly 700 nearly eight hundred thousand in in their native france 
200,000 in Canada. I mean, they you, have made that's it went to number 1 in nine countries. You know, they've they've sold a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of records. Even the Tron soundtrack. Yeah. You know, which is just a soundtrack is you know, it's sold nearly 600,000 copies in the US alone. It's been yeah. certified gold gold in four countries. Went to number 4 in the in the US Billboard Top 200. Like it's fucking mad. I mean, you know, you posited to me that if they came back a few years later, you think they'd be guaranteed pyramid uh, oh. stage headliners at Glastonbury. Absolutely. Mm. Like nailed on. Absolutely nailed on. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fact is that like, I mean, I, I have to be perfectly honest. I'm not really, I don't think people are going, oh God, it's so sad. I mean, is it that sad? I mean, they've not done anything. They did. <laughs> I would argue that Daft Punk have, have gone out Eight years after their weakest album, uh, oh, is, having you, having say, not played, yeah, I think so. I mean, oh, I'm, really? I, yeah, I, I, so I, when they first came out, I, you know, Homework in 1997 was a record which I didn't hear until Discovery came out in 2001. Right now, I heard, um, oh yeah, okay, some some of the songs from um, from Homework, uh, you know. I mentioned around the world defunct was another one with another really really bizarre video and i you know 1997 i was listening to corn and alice in chains and fucking mm. deftones and stuff i wasn't listening to you know daft punk so i didn't hear it but i had a mate who had discovery and also homework when i was at uni and we used to sit in i think we said before we used to sit in his room and just eat pizza and tea and biscuits and play pro evolution soccer and there was about <laughs> three albums that we would play on loop and it was usually discovery by daft punk um 40 ounce of freedom by sublime and the shape of punk to come by refused and i just felt like those three cds went round and round and round in a circle over and over again and i really i mean i, I really really ended up liking discovery and then going and getting a cheap copy of homework which i think is really good as well um when human after all came out i don't think that's quite so good i think actually the, tr the tron soundtrack's pretty interesting tron soundtrack's pretty cool yeah, I have you know? actually heard the Tron soundtrack, um, and mm. I think I think it is quite interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I it think is. it is. Yeah, and then Random Access Memories. You know, I'm not going to say it's a bad record, but it's certainly the one that I am least interested or in, invested in. Um, I mean, this is this is you know, I've I've already sort of come in and said I have I know nothing about Daft Punk, but I was I was under the impression that Random Access Memories was certainly received very positively. Like it was it a was. mass. Yeah, yeah, okay. So this is sort of your personal feelings rather it's than my personal. I mean, I've seen a few people perception. being like, you know. Um, I've seen a few people being like, oh, you know, they were rubbish. And then that came out. I mean, I don't think the album's rubbish. I mean, it won, uh, it won record of the year and best pop duo group performance uh, at the Grammys for Get Lucky. And right. Random Access Memories won album of the year, best dance electronica album and best engineered album in a non-classical category uh, at the Grammys in 2014. So yes, it was very, very well received. Okay. And that's in America. I think the thing is, is... America traditionally don't have a or didn't have a very strong relationship with electronic music and EDM and dance music. And it's only really been kind of, I guess, the advent of dubstep in the in the late noughties where they started to that, that sort of thing started to happen more. Now, obviously, in Europe and in the UK, that's just been massive for ages. And I think probably me seeing people from the UK and Europe being like, ah, homework and discovery are the best ones, whereas people from America were more random access memories, I even see. though I think random access memories is more of a kind of poppy 
you know album ultimately um certainly is, you know, um, nothing wrong with that at all yeah certainly get, not my favorite get happy sounded um very yeah. different well, from the daft punk i'd heard before no rogers and that in it yeah, um yeah, yeah. and but anyway i mean you know daft punk they're kind of you can't argue with their legacy i mean it's funny that we we released the craft work uh writers review this year uh, this year this week and daft punk are very much a band who exists we spoke about how important the entirety of Craftwork was not just the music, but the artwork and the look and the feel and the mm. approach and the the mannerisms. And I think Daft Punk are one of those bands who kind of who took that idea and kind of ran with it. You know, um, I think you can look at the dance rock uh, revival, not even revival, but the dance rock um, boom of the mid noughties with bands like LCD Sound System, who I I personally love. I mean, their but first hit was. Daft Punk are playing in my house. So, you know, they oh, right. like Daft Punk yeah. a lot. And then up to shit like the Klaxons or, you know, whatever. Um, I think you can look at that and go, well, Daft Punk were a band who definitely brought uh, dance music into indie a bit more. In the same way, in a, in a similar sort of way as the Chemical Brothers and the Prodigy did, but maybe, you know, it's a bit more rock, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's a bit more kind of like, yeah, just uh, abrasive rock music, whereas Daft Punk were a bit more kind of, indie artsy kind of thing yeah and um and you know everyone from dead mouse to that geezer who sticks a marshmallow on his head uh <laughs> a kind of influenced by i can't remember his fucking name um the, you know the guy i'm talking about um but yeah i, I have no idea who you're talking about i have to say. i cannot remember his name but he's the he's massive but he's puts a mar- where's a big marshmallow on his head um that guy and okay. uh and you know people like air obviously came through from france justice came through from france as well and they are unbelievably influential and important artist in the the kind of continuing evolution of electronic music yeah of that there can be there can be no argument mm, no so you know it is it is a big deal it mm. is a big deal i mean i can't say i'm upset by it because i to be honest i haven't really even thought about daft punk for at least a decade. I mean, I haven't thought positively about them, I would say, for about a decade. Yeah. Um, Do you have any theories as to why they might have broken up? All of these no. are speculative, by the way. Oh, okay, I none have, of these are speculative because we have no reason. No, <laughs> we have no idea. No, I mean, <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. I mean, you know, I guess over the last sort of few years, they've been, I mean, you know, Kanye West has sort of famously sampled them and uh, a lot of people have been using them as producers and writers and sort of co-creators of stuff and maybe they just don't want to do you want to wear a fucking helmet and be like oh, i'm a guy in a fucking well, helmet now like, now's a good time to life. wear a helmet to be honest um, <laughs> yeah uh, one of the few bands who could tour <laughs> safely <laughs> under these conditions yeah um, flaming lips and daft punk uh co-headline yeah um so i would go to that but i wouldn't be allowed so you know I'd, I'd I'd go to it. I, I think that's the yeah. thing. Daft Punk are one of those bands who, like, um, I would have loved to have seen them live, despite not being interested in the music at all. Personally, I'm sure live they put on a hell of a show and a hell of a spectacle. And the th- the bits and pieces that I've seen, you're watching something which I go, well, I've never seen that before. Um, and it's so. I mean, they really are one of those bands who really created a world around what Mm. they were doing you know absolutely and and regardless of whether i'm personally a fan or not you have to have respect for that i think that is true creativity 
um mm. and they were clearly very 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 creative people and i love yeah. that that's what we should be celebrating in definitely in, in absolutely yeah. and i would say they've left behind two really really great those two first two albums are really really great uh so Disco- yeah there discovery you go and right. did you say discovery the and two, yeah right. i think discovery is the best one okay personally um r.i.p daft punk then cheers mm. see you later thanks for all the things um <laughs> what uh what i wonder if that will go on the like press notes when they're, <laughs> when split up. cheers for all the things some right, guy podcast yeah uh here's something which you know to maybe soften the blow for you renfrey bruce springsteen <laughs> and barack obama have launched a podcast bit of competition for us oh yeah interested to hear what they say about that ruins of beverly arst album I'm sure we'll be reviewing that on the show. <laughs> yeah um i've heard of, i kind of vaguely knew about this because when bruce released his last record was it letters to you we didn't cover yeah. it for some reason, but like well, no. we, we didn't cover it. It's it good though, we wasn't it? I mean, fucking busy is why we didn't. We cover are busy, it. but I went back to it afterwards, and it's, I think it's pretty good. I'm, annoyingly, it's I better than Western Stars. It to the one, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's better, better than, than one we reviewed. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. anyway, um, and uh, he did some podcast series um, uh, just prior to that, where I had to sign up for an Apple Music subscription because he was doing he did like a two hour podcast with him and Eddie Vedder just reminiscing and it was sweet. Um but yeah I I love this uh new kind of Bruce Springsteen podcaster kind of thing. He's just a brilliant he's very good at it. He's very good at mm. it. And I could just listen to him all day. So but Springsteen <laughs> forward then going, he's very good at it, as if it's a threat to me. Like, <laughs> he's really good. So if we, you don't buck your fucking we, ideas. We up, have been exchanging emails, uh, me and the boss. <laughs> um and um yeah, he's you know, he's brilliant. And you know, Barack Obama, I'm a fan. I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. I think he's a decent bloke. Um I um yeah, I, I mean it sounds great. Where where can you get it? Is that an Apple only thing as well? It is no, yeah. it is exclusive through Spotify. It's titled Renegades, born in the USA, and it's going to be a discussion on well the usual stuff that you would expect, I suppose. It's um, going to discuss <laughs> issues including race, fatherhood, marriage, and the state of America. A personal in depth discussion discussion between two friends exploring their past, their beliefs, and the country that they love, as it was, as it is, and as it ought to be going forward. I'm not sure I need to listen to that, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, it's quite I, interesting. I would, I'm definitely going to check it out. I mean, those are two people who I could listen to for hours and hours on end. Like, they're two people with enormous gravitas, enormous mm. gravitas, and uh, two very intelligent people. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to check it out uh, 100%. It will probably, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, Steve, it will probably do better than we're doing at the moment. Yeah, it, it probably will, mm. but not in my household. I uh, pop collaborate, <laughs> pop collaborate, and listen will do better in this household than that will. To be honest, that's a fucking great podcast, by the way. Um, Maybe we could do... we get those guys on. I was going to say, why don't we do? Oh, I, I thought you meant Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. Why don't we do a crossover nah. with Barack and Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've we got should. his email. You know, so yeah, yeah. All right, I'll WhatsApp Barack. Um, <laughs> But there you go, that's happening. So that's nice. Uh, in other news as well, um, The Greatest Showman's Michael Gracie is directing a biopic about Robbie Williams. Fuck me. Have you seen this? <laughs> don't know what's going to... I haven't, I, mean? I, haven't Fucking... but I, f- I feel like I should just let you go, really, with just, this one. 
Yeah, like there's so many biopics on musicians and they're so fucking hit and miss. I mean, I don't know what they're going to call this one, Bohemian Crapsody. Um, <laughs> it's bound to be called Let Me Entertain You, isn't it? It's absolutely bound to be called Let Me Entertain You. Um, yeah, they could call it Life Through a Lens. <laughs> I mean, and they, 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 they are thinking about casting as Robbie Williams. You? Rob Robbie Williams is going to play him, play himself. <sighs> okay. I don't. I mean, we you know we're not going to review it, and we're not going to cover it, and we don't. Uh, you know, we don't. We we wouldn't review a Robbie Williams album. I don't think. I don't know. I, mean, if, I think if even Bruce, if Robbie if Williams, Bruce Springsteen was hosting the show, we might. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I think you know, like people are like, oh, you're reviewing Taylor Swift, and it's like we can review Taylor Swift. I don't think even if Robbie Williams did a kind of ambient black metal project. I don't think I'd want to review <laughs> Robbie Williams, whatever he did. You, so, wouldn't have, um, you wouldn't have been tempted to review Swing When You're Winning? The, definitely uh, the not. Swing album that I did. You know definitely what? Definitely not. That album came out when I worked at Virgin and that was one of those albums. I've probably heard that album 200 times in my life because they just used to put it on on repeat and oh, fucking hell, I'm so I, I worked in an MVC when his greatest hits came out and so Ooh. that was on all the fucking time and oh, uh, Robbie Williams, why? Um, I was going to talk about Mogwai nearly getting to number one but you've basically done that. Sort you? of already done it, yeah. Um, so, uh, that, but that's really exciting because cause yeah, how unusual is that, you know? Fingers crossed they do. It's really lovely because... The album actually came out 25 years, I think to the day, 25 years since their first single came out. And showing that kind of progression of a band just sort of, you know, working hard, not changing, uh, not 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 pandering to, I, I was about to say not changing their sound. They've changed their sound quite a bit, but not changing it beyond anything that they, you know, not having any pressure mm -hmm. to change it into something that it shouldn't be. And, you know, just continuing to furrow to go along that furrow and each album has gradually been going up the charts the last the last one every country's son did actually get into get in at number six and the last yeah. two have all been the last three sorry have been top 10 records but yeah to have a potentially to have a number one fingers crossed it happens i mean for you listening at home yeah no i I can't believe he's still talking about it, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm as surprised as you, but uh, but he is. I'll cut him off now. Don't worry. Yeah, Mogwai, let's hope they get to number one. Remember, it would be good. It, genuinely, it would be really fucking great to have Mogwai at number one in the album chart. That would be incredible. Um, all right. In quite a extra stacked week for news, I should say, by the way, we're actually re-recording this bit mm. because we had some news. We found some news out and we recorded the show. And then we carried on chatting and, blah, 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 and then we finished recording. And then it turns out the news that we we're about to talk about was actually added to. And we said some things which were fairly inaccurate. So we've had to sort of re-record it. But you probably won't actually know that because of <laughs> the roadmap of how Great Britain specifically will be getting out of the current COVID-19 pandemic lockdown process uh, has just been announced this week as we record. And... You know, it's saying theoretically, possibly, people are treating it like it's fucking, you know, <laughs> set in stone. It's not set in stone, but potentially the 21st, the 21st of June could be the day, possibly, maybe, potentially, where we get out of lockdown and we start living life in a normal way again. 
potentially, mm. right? I'm not going to say definitely because we've seen it. We've seen seen too many times and too many things that have gone, well, this is going to happen, and then it sort of hasn't. So I I, I don't know. It would, be, right? it would be foolhardy to assume that that's definitely when it will be happening. Although I do, I people are getting impatient and I do understand that people are desperate for their lives to get back to some sort of normal normalcy. That'll do. So yeah, I, <laughs> I, I get it. But yeah. I, I, mate, I absolutely get it. I think everybody gets it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, to get it, you got to do all the stuff that you're told to do now mm. is what's got to happen. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I still thought even if it was, you know, going back to normality, I still thought the idea of, you know, 40,000 people in a football stadium, 80,000 people in a festival field, you know, people just being allowed to go into a massive park and hang out and do what was normal was probably maybe a little bit early mm. to think that that was definitely going to be able to happen. Um, I thought that Reading and Leeds... Did not think that. Uh, Reading and Leeds tweeted, Reading and Leeds 2021, following the government's recent announcement, we can't wait to get back to the fields this summer. Let's go. Hashtag R&L21 with a link to the website where you can buy tickets for Reading and Leeds if you so desire. Um, and a lot, a, this, lot, a lot of news outlets have taken that as Reading and Leeds have officially confirmed well, it, it's that been, they are going forward. It's been... Um, reported as Reading and Leeds confirms that they are going ahead. Yeah. Which I think from that tweet is still debatable, frankly. But it's, but, it's yeah. a jump, isn't it? It's a, it's, it's, it's it's a, a hop and a skip it's away a hop from and a what skip. they actually said. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But but loads of loads of outlets have reported it. So Yeah, straight away it got jumped on and you know, looking at the various comments and stuff, some people are like, Oh, you shouldn't be doing this and other people are like, No, no, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is what you would kind of expect, I guess a microcosm of different opinions. Um <laughs> I I mean, do you think do you think do you think this is like what do you think Renfrey do you think this is gonna happen it does I, I certainly think it feels like a slightly premature thing to say although having said that I also understand why they have said it and I also understand since then and this is part of the reason we're re-recording this bit other festivals have jumped on like they've clearly looked at what Reading and Leeds have done and basically gone well if they're saying it we'll say it as well and obviously all of these you know whether it's live nation or a small independent festival like bloodstock um they've all taken massive massive financial hits and massive losses and obviously in order in some cases in order to survive or in other cases in order to get from the uh, red to the black or whatever they need to sell tickets and as soon as possible and they need to build up excitement about it and get people excited about it so I do think they've been stuck in a really difficult position. Mm. But I also think there is a, I don't like, neither of us want to be like poo-poo the party, but it does feel a little bit premature. Um, there is still plenty of opportunity for this country to fuck up those dates. There's plenty of opportunity for that to happen. Having said that, I totally understand why they do it. In the case of the smaller festivals, I feel like it's survival um, rather yeah. than, oh shit, we don't have as much money in the bank as we used to. 
Um, I'm not. I, I'm not suggesting at all. I mean, Live Nation run Reading and Leeds, don't they? And obviously, Live Nation have taken a massive kicking the last couple mm. of uh, the, the the last year or so. I'm not suggesting at all that you know they don't deserve it anymore or anything like that. But I'm just saying that, like, with the smaller festivals, it's survival. With the bigger ones, it's uh, it, it, it's trying to claw back some of the lost revenue i think they have a lot more options than the smaller festivals i would imagine i'm guessing yeah they do. yeah, you would have thought. yeah, yeah. yeah. well the the people that put the two festivals on that we'll talk about in a minute bloodstock and 2000 trees i mean they literally that's that's all they do those more the, or less pretty much isn't it it's not i mean those are their big um i mean i was gonna say cash cash cows not even the right word because i'm not sure they make in huge swathes of money from them but they are their you know they're the jewel in their crown yeah whereas you could say that reading and leeds are the thing that make an insane amount of money for live nation but live nation have their finger in many many different pies and i think live nation have their finger in things that i think i could see coming back mm. you know sat down outdoor amphitheater things mm. Mm. that that kind of very very high, you know high end maybe opera and classical music where mm. you where people wouldn't mind sitting on a table away mm. from each other going in their car whatever i could see that happening you know party in the you know what's it called um picnic in the park or whatever park. like the the um the the one they do at uh the gardens in sort of west uh, like west london which is kind of classical music and people were spread out there anyway mm. you know i can and see i that... can see small venues opening as well like small capacity venues you know i can mm. i mean bearing in mind how much they are desperately needing to open up again you know there's i mean we've already lost um quite a few venues and there's things like the black heart are in a lot of trouble and stuff like that i can imagine um obviously they they will choose to open as soon as they possibly can for the sake of survival um but it just it what has effectively happened is because one of the big players has hinted quite strongly oh we'll be back this summer and then the news outlets have taken with that and done the yeah the hop skip and a jump as you say it's led other people to um come out and say oh it'll be happening this summer and it it just makes me feel uncomfortable because i'm like it, it, we don't we're not out of the shitter yet we're not oh, yeah kids aren't even back at school yet as we yeah. record you know it's not even march yet and i again like you're right i don't and the thing is as well i mean Reading and leeds is they'll always be able to sell tickets for that like at any at any point pretty much i'm sure they'll be able to sell tickets for it bloodstock and 2000 trees feel like they have a really good um homegrown hardcore fan base as well mm. yeah you know like i would always i'm one of those people who even even in the last sort of couple of years as i've probably been less and less interested in metal or reviewing metal or whatever you know i still want to go to bloodstock every year i'm always like i definitely want to go to bloodstock because mm -hmm. it's the only festival that caters to that little thing that i really fucking love and so i think country, you know yeah, yeah in, in, mm. and yeah certainly in this country and it's the same with 2000 trees you know there are things that you'll see at 2000 trees for the people that like that shit you know jonah playing water and solutions in far mm. what other festivals yeah. are going to book that like yeah, from yeah, yeah. a few years ago or like at the driving headlining and stuff um and I think they do have a sizable 
enough hardcore fan base to maybe have not quite committed themselves to the point that they have now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I do understand it because... I mean, if we look at what Bloodstock tweeted in the aftermath of the Reading thing, or they put on their Facebook page, actually, this is two hours ago as we record. Um, following on from Monday's announcement from the UK government, we look forward to seeing you all in a field this coming August. Gl- grab your hashtag BOA21 tickets from bloodstock.uk.com, right? Um, which is not as totally dissimilar to Reading and Leeds. Mm. It's not. It's basically the same thing as Reading and Leeds, and it? it's basically exactly the same mm-hmm. announcement. So it's kind of like get your tickets, mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of understand it. Uh, you know, like that feels. Um, I don't know. For some reason, it doesn't feel as bad as Reading and Leeds, or maybe it doesn't feel as bad as Reading and Leeds. Just gets a smaller festival, and you're like, okay, well, well f- basically a family-run business. It's and, fifteen thousand know. cap compared to 90,000. Yeah. The, the difference yeah. in logistics is absolutely humongous. Yeah, yeah. Um, Two thousand trees also tweeted about an hour before that. Things are looking up, and we are full steam ahead for two thousand trees. 2021 in july tickets for the best rock party are on sale now at and then the website um it's bit.yl forward slash trees 2021 i have trouble with that but it says that there's actually a kind of statement uh, a picture and it, there's a statement that they've tweeted with it and it says hey friends after the freaking awesome news on monday that festivals and events should be able to return from the 21st of june we're here to tell you now that we are full steam ahead for 2000 trees 2021 this july with the vaccine rollout going awesomely well and the target of getting every adult in the UK a vaccine by the end of July, we're super stoked that things are finally looking up. We've already had a massive flurry of ticket sales since Monday night and we're well on our way to a sellout year. Imagine that. Summer is happening. Get your ticket while you can. Now, arguably, that is the most... Do I use the word irresponsible? Um, I think uh, it's uh, the most blatant kind of like, yes, we are... <laughs> It, it is very cleverly worded. And, you know, I, I know the, the 2000 Trees organisers and I know, I know that they would have taken a lot of time and consideration over this. But it's still, reading it, it still makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Again, I, I think it is a survival thing and I think it's very important, you know, like a festival like 2000 Trees, actually, the, the these circumstances could be the difference between it being a thing and not being a thing at all. So I do understand that from that perspective, the stakes are basically like a bit higher. Um, but it's very like the what the it says full steam ahead in capitals and like um, uh, each um, and you know there's full stops after each word and stuff like this. It is uh, it does make me a little bit uncomfortable kind of reading it. I have Summer to say. is happening. Mm. Summer is happening. Get your ticket while you can. Well, summer is happening. Summer is going summer to happen. Is. <laughs> so, like, there, there's nothing in the statement which is like wrong. And they've put, you know, they've very cleverly put festivals and events should be able to return from the 21st of June. Mm. Um, there's nothing like there's nothing strictly wrong with this with the statement. But the things that they've emphasised might be giving people false hope. But yeah, I mean, it's particularly because trees is the first one of the three that we've spoken yeah, about. That will yeah. be the first one, seventh to the tenth of July. But I think to be fair, but to be fair to trees, on the flip side of that is, like you say, it's ten out of the three we've spoken about. It's comfortably the smallest one. Their yeah. site is fucking massive. It as is. Well. Yeah. It's massive for a you know a, a, 
a much much smaller amount of people they've got a huge thing you know people are going to be tested on the way in yeah. definitely yeah you know yeah. you're probably yeah. going to be people with a certain age will have a vaccine passport or whatever yeah. um we don't obviously have any idea how that is going to work at the moment but i think it you know if people do have the potential to have to, to present a vaccine proof uh with their ticket and get tested on the way in which i think is quite likely what will happen then mm. i think that's that's all good mm. and you know i've been to 2000 trees and it's not and i've been to bloodstock and i've been to reading and reading is the only one of the three where you can't escape people do you yeah. know what i mean it's yeah. the only yeah. one where you know like when i saw eminem on the main stage you, you were it was you were cr you were crammed in it was crushed all the way to the back all the way to the fucking hot dog yeah. fans around the back like you couldn't get away from people how you maneuver around that and how you how you kind of balance that i think will be incredibly difficult i don't think it will be as difficult at 2000 trees and it might mean a few people not being able to see a band that they want to see on a certain stage that they want to see, for mm. example. Mm. I mean, mm. you know, if or people who haven't bought their, you know, blood socks to 15,000 capacity, maybe they only let 8,000 people in and keep mm. it the same size. If they did that, I mean, to me, bloodstock is always really spacious, you know, that it's never kind of people crushed together at the front and, yeah. you know, it's not like right up against the back of the whatever, you know. It's, yeah, same with trees, yeah. Both both of those uh, festivals, I think, have quite yeah. a lot of space. Yeah, to play yeah, with. they have a lot of space and and, and <clears throat> a lot less people. So I think you know they probably should be quietly confident that they might be able to do something. Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's fine. I think um, uh, the 2003 summer summer's ha it's happening. It's like people can read that that can be read in a you know. In a, in a certain way which maybe doesn't they're trying to get people excited and they're trying to get people to 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 buy tickets as i say for survival so i understand mm. it i get it yeah i'd probably probably do the same thing in their shoes but you know it's this is very much not a black and white situation it's very very it still makes me feel a little uncomfortable because uh, June twenty first, right, is when everything's supposedly mm. meant to go back to normal and everything will. Yeah. Um, and what? Yeah, trees is what two, three weeks later, two and a half weeks later, something like that. It's um, it, it feels very tight. It feels very, very tight. tight. Yeah, but I, I I fucking hope it happens. I mean, I I really really hope it happens. And and I do think you know there are going to be plenty of schemes for like if you are worried about taking the risk i think you should take a risk because you know you'll be able to get your money back if it doesn't go ahead or anything like that and and mm. these festivals do need collateral at the moment they do need money to pump into them so I, I i do encourage people if you're thinking of going to buy your ticket especially for the smaller ones mm. um and as you say they might have reduced capacity and so on and so forth they might be forced to do that sort of thing so there's a chance that they might even sell out um trees are sort of hinting that they're well on their way to selling out um so i would encourage people to do that but but and prepare by all means that that it will go ahead and all that sort of thing but also have in the back of your mind that it might not i think is really the safest thing to do yeah and if it doesn't go ahead then you know just just go anyway and smash the rest of the country up that's what a lot of people are going to do probably isn't it <laughs> 
and people are going to have to be tested when they go in and you know people might still be wearing masks you never know um and we don't know if bands are going to be able to come over you know we don't know what the rest of europe looks like and what they're saying yeah um are are a band like merciful fate for example at bloodstock are they gonna want to just do one show in europe and it Mm. be in the uk don't know Mm. i mean even more so are the american bands that are coming over who aren't headlining so the bands underneath Mm. that someone like violence who are meant to be playing their first uk show for god knows how long probably had planned on doing an entire european summer festival circuit run to make them some money as a incredibly you know like a classic but un- a band that people were excited about seeing because they never saw them at the time because yeah. they were fucking tiny at the time yeah and now it's like hey we've got a chance here to actually make some you know some money on the on the the european festival circuit and are we going to go over take a cut of our our wages for one show at bloodstock just to fly over and fly but i mean i i'm not really sure mm. so those are all sort of logistics that i guess we haven't even really spoken about but definitely do exist um I really hope and, something and, can happen because I, I, having had a year in 2019 where I was like, I'm not going to a fucking festival in 2020 and apologies again, ruining it for everyone, obviously. <laughs> um, I am absolutely chomping at the bit to get back to festivals now. Yeah. So if I hold it, if my opinion holds any sway and you have to deduce from what's happened in the last year, Renfrey, that it holds quite a lot of sway because <laughs> they cancelled all of it. Fe- I didn't want to go to a festival, so they just didn't have them at all. Um, and I really want to go to a festival. So I'm hoping there will be one slam dunks a one day thing mm. in, and they're moving it to September could happen. I mean, that, that potentially could happen. I think mm. Redden and Leeds going, yep, it's done in February is like, they didn't say it, but it's massively insinuated that that's what they're getting at. And I think that is silly by their... Well, also, everyone is pretty much reporting that that is how they said it. I, I don't think that's strictly true, but I still don't think um, they should have said it in the way that they have said it. And they have more responsibility than your bloodstocks and your treasers and your slam dunks because they're bigger, they're more, well, I mean, Reading and Leeds one is world-renowned, you know. Um, yeah. And he, and it, it used to be great as well, didn't it? Reading and Leeds, do you remember? I don't want to get into that particularly, but Reading and Leeds used to be good kids. <laughs> used to have Didn't a good lineup. I don't think it's ever been a festival that's actually cared about its patrons, <laughs> but which I I don't like. But um, I, uh, I I couldn't. It's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the lineup now, when I'm I'm not bothered anyway, really. To be honest. Oh I'm god no. Fussed. God no. Not really that fussed by Hundred Gex are there. Oh yeah. Cheers. Your mates. <laughs> so uh, don't let them into the country. They sound like they'd be a bit dirty, do you know what I mean? I don't know much about the people in Hundred Gex. They sort of when you listen to their music, they're like, Oh, have a wash. See, is okay, if that's what you get from it, that's good for you. Yeah, and I like it a lot more than you. So you know. I, I, uh, anyway, I think, I think it's the worst thing that's ever happened in music, pretty much. <laughs> well, hold your horses, eh, Renfrey, because we're about to review the new Architects album, <laughs> which is where you get your bum slapped on Twitter. So let's move on and do, let's do that right now. Let's move on to reviews and start with Architects for those that wish to exist. Is the brand new album from the Brighton metalcore pioneers their ninth album. 
the follow-up to 2018's Holy Hell record, a record that I think they did the boss, the, the boss, the best that they possibly could do with um, incredibly trying, difficult circumstances that surrounded the record. Now, if we go back to that record, and we were probably a podcast for four months, three, three, three and a half months. We yeah. haven't been doing the podcast very long when we reviewed Holy Hell. It ended up being in my top 10 albums of the year as well. I really really responded well to holy hell um two and a half years down the line i listened back to it recently i thought i'd said it to you like it's not it hadn't really stuck with me i listened back to it in the kind of um the build-up to this and i have to say i do i do stand by most of the stuff that i said about holy hell i do think it's a pretty good record i think the thing is is that it hasn't really taken over as one of the architects albums that i would continually go back to a hollow crown a all our gods have abandoned us a lost together lost forever um or lost forever lost together i can never remember which way around that is anyway um those three being the kind of main ones that i listen to and go these albums are great it's not unique in architects back catalog for being like that i mean i barely i mean i've never listened to the here and now i wouldn't say something like ruin if i'm kind of like oh i might remember what that sounds like i might listen to that even daybreaker which i thought was a very good comeback at the time i don't really listen to that album that much anymore um so it's not an insult to be like oh you know holy hell was a record made in circumstances that were really really difficult for the members of architects and they did with it what they could do with it at that time as a band i think mm -hmm. do you want me to carry on um uh, so I, um i yeah um i i i i well yeah i think most people know how i sort of feel about architects i have this kind of um I have this difficult relationship with them because there are so many people who are absolutely just consider them one of the greatest metal bands in in the world right now. And there's a lot there's a lot of rhetoric about them being one of the best metal bands in the world right now. And I have just never ever seen it. Um and it's really frustrating. It's it, I think it's particularly frustrating when you get a band who everyone seems to love, and you're one of the only people who just doesn't seem to get it. Uh, and I've I've tried so many times with Architects, and I think a large part of it comes down to me just. I mean, metalcore is one of the genres I complain about the most uh, on this podcast. Certainly, um, I think it's a very creatively moribund genre i think it's very very um you know the fact that for example when um the change between atlas and aya from parkway drive is seen as this massive massive like unbelievable change to me well within that genre it is but within mm. music as a whole it's bare i mean those albums sound quite similar to me they're they're not they're not that different you know what uh deep blue and to aya uh it was atlas wasn't it to aya sorry atlas yeah mm. atlas to aya and I'm, I'm i'm not saying they sound identical they're saying certainly don't sound identical in the way that the last four architects records did um but but they they do sound See, very very straight away i'm like well that's that's just not true i think daybreak through to holy hell i couldn't 
I wouldn't be able to even tell the difference vaguely between them. I think they've essentially been making the same record for the last 10 years or so. Um, well, here, here's and, just a sorry to cut off that point very quickly, unless you had something that you desperately felt like you needed to get out I was just that I was just going to say that one one piece of good news for this record is is this is an album where you you absolutely cannot say that of this record this record for those that wish to exist is undoubtedly a different type of record it's a different sonic sound I think it's still broadly within the metalcore um uh tradition yeah for sure um but this album like I, I really, I gen, I'm not trying to be facetious or, or a dick or anything. I cannot tell the difference between Daybreak, All Together, All Forever, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us and Holy Hell. I can tell that All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us is of a higher quality of, um, it's probably like the quote unquote best. Um, Daybreaker is my, f uh, Daybreaker, Daybreak, is it Daybreaker or Daybreaker? Daybreaker. Daybreaker, Daybreaker is my personal favorite of those four mm -hmm. although we're talking about favorite of a band that i don't particularly like or listen to um but no i think sonic i think all of those albums are incredibly like sound exactly the same practically i don't think there's any progression made at all um and that's one of the reasons why i constantly kind of bemoan this status that architects have of being one of the most one of the greatest metal bands of their era i just don't think they have much creativity in them mm. well uh this is why uh you're wrong um mm -hmm. <laughs> because um the difference between holy hell and the others that you mentioned i can see how you would look at those three from daybreaker to uh to all our gods have abandoned us are a for me, those are a, a refinement on an idea, a continual refinement on an idea. So each one takes the thing and um, and and improves upon it every time. So those are three albums that, yes, sonically, I think, do sound very, very similar. Um, but they are just kind of, you know, the, the, a sculpted slightly better I mean, I'm going to be as I'm going to be as blunt as that. They are sculpted slightly better with each one. So Daybreaker is a good record. It's the first time they really started talking about political ideas and you know, kind of talking about the world around them and outside of them. That is then taken on uh, to a, a higher quality of songwriting. And then I think with um, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us, are taken on to the point where it is basically as good as that style of music is going to be. Do you know what I mean? I think that's as much as you could possibly do with that style. Holy Hell, the reason why I say Holy Hell, I don't think is like that, is because in the aftermath of Holy Hell and that album, every single... You, you can tell when a band has done something which is influential and is... Uh, I, I mean and is, is a bit different because although again i don't think holy hell is a huge stylistic sonic leap away from what architects were doing previously it's noticeable how so many people particularly that riff from doomsday has been merciless, mercilessly ripped off in the aftermath of that song it's unbelievable the amount of bands that just saw that and went we are doing that that now, doesn't make it a different sounding album to the previous no one. no yeah, I think. Well, it, yeah, I, I think. I think that what they came up with there 
was something that everybody suddenly went, oh, we need to do that now, which to me denotes that it is, I think Holy Hell is a broader sounding record. I think it's a much more melodic sounding record. I think it's it's certainly a cleaner, clearer. Um, from that like rise, it's a, there's, it's a noticeable, I don't mean dip in quality, but it's a noticeable change in, um, in in the melodious nature of it it was a far more i mean this is exactly my problem with metalcore like you're 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 saying that holy hell is like so much more melodious and stuff than those previous three records there's a bit there's a few more smatterings of melody in it that's about it i think the entire thing sounds sounds like a you know it's that genre done if one of them are let's make it super heavy and loads of different riffs and loads of different parts and this one is let's make it uh like i say a very melodic very kind of um slightly more electronically driven broader sounding uh more ambient sounding record and then you get that riff from doomsday which is very different to every to all the other riffs they've done because it's been ripped off by i mean we don't cover a lot of these bands on this show but don't think that I haven't heard them, right? We don't cover most of these kind of, you know, C-list metalcore bands because we think it's shite, right? Mm. We, you know, the only reason we're covering Architects and that we're not covering fucking Wage War or the Amity Affliction or any of those, you know, those awful bands is, I think, and the reason why we ha- we do cover Bring Me the Horizon and we do cover Architects is because I think those bands are the leaders of that scene not the followers in the aftermath of holy hell coming out the entire aesthetic and sound of modern metalcore shamefully scandalously changed i think this is the to fit the 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 mold that architects had just recreated now it's not a massive reinvention but it's enough that everybody else went oh we're gonna have to do that now I mean, you're 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 just putting more nails in the coffin for why metalcore is such a creative moribund genre. It just seems like the people who are involved with it just don't have any decent. Well, I wouldn't, creative I wouldn't ideas disagree themselves. with that. You know, like I, <laughs> I wouldn't I just, disagree with that in any way. Which is why I find it really boring, and um, um, it's why I sort of struggle with this kind of thing. What the good news, though, it, in a sense, mm. for those that wish to exist. I don't think anyone could, you know, we can argue the tits off of whether Holy Hell sounds different to all our gods or not. And I I think that Mm -hmm. is debatable. Um, You can't, I couldn't sit here and go, well, for those that wish to exist, it just sounds like altogether or forever. You know, I I, I couldn't do that legitimately uh, Mm because it doesn't. Because they have um, uh, made an effort at some sort of progression. This record is definitely more melodic um than Mm -hmm. what they've done before it's definitely more dynamic than what they've done before probably the most dynamic architects record they've ever done uh yeah in 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 terms of the entirety of the record i would i would say it probably is yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i'm really glad to report that you know once again i i think this record i think what what you're what i'm kind of expecting to say is that this does have all the hallmarks of architects i think that's it's definitely true this still sounds like an architect's record like in in the main right yeah sort of, you know it's, it's it has all the whole the whole that you know there's no blair uh which is good um because i think sam himself is getting a little bit bored of doing that but this is definitely them stepping away from i mean mate when you talk about the nail in the coffin of 
metalcore. Like, you get no fucking arguments from me mm. in mm. general. Yeah, I know. In yeah. general, like, you know, I we 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 don't cover that stuff because I have never. If if I heard one that I thought, hey, Renfrey, we should cover this. It's really good, mm. but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I haven't Never for do. a really, really long time. And the only reason that we cover people like Architects and Loathe and Bring Me the Horizon is even though Bring Me, we're like I think we're we're kind of up and down. I you know I feel like there are things about Bring Me the Horizon that are good, and there are things about Bring Me the Horizon that are not good. Um, uh, anyway, we've spoken about that before, but I don't think we'd cover these bands if they didn't have something about them that made them like the. Def- some sort of definitive aspect of this music comes from what they do. I think the other thing, it's interesting saying that um, architects are leaders, not followers. To a degree, that's true. Although, let's face it, there was a lot of talk uh, when, was it Animals that was the first single from this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When Animals came out, there was a lot of like, oh, it sounds like a Bring Me the Horizon ripoff, blah de blah de blah Um, I think... It would be really unfair to say that this album as a whole is just ripping off Bring Me the Horizon. Like that, that you know, the record as a whole, it would be a very crappy, yeah. basic bitch thing to say, really. Um, however, I will say, I think a lot of this album would not exist if Bring Me the Horizon didn't exist. Um, and I do think that they have been keeping a very strong BDI on them and looking at them and going, well, they're very successful and they've done this very, very well and they're doing these things. Maybe we should try doing those things as well. And I think those decisions are made purely on a commercial basis rather than creative basis. Now, it's very difficult for bands. It's much more difficult for bands than it ever has been in, in lots of ways. And you do need to make, sometimes you do need to make commercial decisions like commerce over artistic decisions. I just feel like architects, certainly for the last five, six years, have constantly been making commerce over artistic ideas. So, for example, the album as a whole, the whole reason we have a classic album series special and stuff like that is because mm-hmm. we like the album as a whole and the way that it's created and so on and so forth. And we've complained mm-hmm. a little bit. We've done, you know, we've talked about Bring Me the Horizon and Ammo and how it sounds more like a playlist than an album and it doesn't sound cohesive and all this sort of thing. I think, um, I think from those that wish to exist is more successful than Ammo, if I'm, if I'm honest. But there is definitely a sense yeah. of throwing a shitload of ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, and some do. I think, to be honest, I think the ideas that are closer to what they've done in the past stick more than the ones that aren't, um, probably because that's what they're most used to. But I also sort of think that that shows how creatively moribund the bound are. They can only do one thing really, really, really well. Um, but I think there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of chaff on this record, isn't there? Like it's 58 minutes, 22 seconds long, 15 songs. So long record. There's a sizable chunk that you could have got rid of easily, I think. And there's, there's a sense that they don't know. Ex- they're trying lots of things, which is definitely not to be discouraged, but they don't know exactly what direction they want to go in. I do think it's more cohesive than ammo, but I don't think that's a massive <laughs> I don't think that's a massive compliment, to be totally honest. I don't think it's particularly cohesive. I think it has cohesive moments, but I I, I think it's a little all over the place. Um and 
And those ideas that they're trying just aren't that, like, yeah, they're different for architects, but they're not anything that thrice didn't do 10 fucking 10 15 years ago and much 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 better as well um and i i just i feel like this record this record to me is like the equivalent of someone who talks a lot but doesn't actually have anything to say yeah i know that feeling um. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of bluster on it. There's a lot of cinematics on it. There's a lot of strings. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff on it, but nothing ever like there's, there's very, very little of it that actually hits me or makes any kind of impact on me. And I think that's partly because of the way that it's constructed. There's very, very little on this record that makes me feel anything. It all just Brent kind of said it on the phone me. to me yesterday. He's like, oh, I'm not going to be too harsh on this record. I actually quite like it. I'm not going to be quite nice. It. And you've just spent 11 minutes just like absolutely fucking hammering it. Have I? I mean, I don't know. I'd like, I could, yeah, I could say of. way well, worse. I've, I've got way worse stuff. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I've only got, I've, <laughs> I've only got about you got like, a third yeah, of the you, way you, through what I've got to say. So. Fucking hell. You said less about Siamese Dream you did about that. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Anyway, um, well, I, I, here's what I would say about it. I was actually quite worried about this record when I first heard it, right? Because, you know, they, they played the Royal Albert Hall and it's probably the first time I've ever come out and gone, ah, I wasn't mad about that. You know, I was actually mad about something that architects have done. I'm usually, you know, I, I'm, I find them, I don't know, there's something about architects that, that hits me in the fields quite a lot. They've got a, a, a great number of songs that I feel very kind of that, that resonate with me very strongly emotionally. And when I saw that Royal Albert Hall thing, and I think it's just because I don't like, you know, we've talked about how I don't like fucking live streams and stuff. And it's not like being there and, and all that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it didn't really get me in the way that, you know, they have got me before. And again, when Animals came out and people compared it to Bring Me Their Eyes in, and I think at first I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's quite a good riff, but I hope it makes sense more within the context of the record. I think, I think it, it does. does. Yeah, yeah. It definitely definitely does. I think that that chorus really pops um in the record amongst the other things that are, that are around it. Yeah, and, it's one of the um, strongest variations of that chorus on the record, definitely. Yeah, and um uh you know, I, like I say, I I put it on the first time. And I would, you know, I got a stream of it just before Christmas and straight away I was like, oh, you know, it's quite, it's quite poppy. Again, it's quite melodic. It's got a lot of, you know. Do you think poppy's right? I mean, I think if you put, if, if, you, if you listen to it in headphones, hmm. it's, it's quite a bright sounding record. Hmm. Again, you know, mm -hmm. which is not. Which is it not... sounds very grand. It sounds very cinematic. Yeah. It totally yeah, makes yeah, yeah. sense to me that they did a live stream at the Royal Albert Hall to, to, mm. to initiate. Like that now, having heard the record, that makes sense to me. They, it wants to be grand and sweeping and big and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, you know, they're obviously chucking, like you, you know, quite rightly said, they are chucking a lot of ideas in here. Mm. And my first listen through... You know, I was I was sort of worried. People, I I thought, you know, knowing what people in metalcore are like, I was like, people are going to call this a sellout. They're going to go, oh, it's rubbish. It's you know, it's like a return to what they did with um, 
uh, the here and now or whatever. And I think like the here and now is actually uh, quite a good comparative point for this record because a lot of the things that they did on the here and now, when you mentioned a band like Thrice, I mean, they really leaned into that kind of emo-y, post-hardcore-y thing on the here and now. And it really, really, you know, it didn't work back then. Like it really, really didn't work. And, you know, when I listen to this record and I also consider the fact that you know, this is the first time they've written a record from scratch as the band that they are now. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like they've never written a without, record before. Without their primary songwriter. Without their primary songwriter, which I think is, you know, something which we should absolutely take into account. So I think that they're a band who are, they're in this weird position where you're established as a band, but you're also having to relearn how to be a band. Mm. Well, I think you're having to kind of start again and go like, what, what, what are we? I think you do need to bear that in mind. And I I think that's Mm. why there are some, some large parts, some, some of this record, I think is very, very successful. I think there are large swathes of it, which are really unsuccessful, but there is a sense that they're a little bit lost at the moment and they're trying to find their feet. I, I think like lost feels like to me, that feels really, that feels a bit harsh. I think they still they still maintain the core of what architects are and it still sounds like an architect's record but it sounds like an architect's record with um a lot less of they they don't feel as wedded to the idea of what metalcore is to me and i think that's a good thing right i think it took me the first listen or you know whether you call it metalcore or tech metal or whatever i think they feel less wedded to the idea of that than they they have been previously and i think that's a good thing um i think there are moments on this record um like ordinary an ordinary extinction which has got a really cool kind of almost disco electro pulse behind it which i would never have thought i would hear architects do and um and then you get goliath with simon neil was i think is wicked you know you get almost a kind of thrash riff when Simon Neil comes in and it's a, you know, a proper big gojira-y chug. It's really good. But isn't, um, isn't that another problem? The fact that, I mean, we've talked about this. Well, every, every metal band sounds a bit like another metal band. You know? No, 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 no. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say that. The fact that we've, we've both discussed this and I know that your favorite moment on the album is Simon Neil coming in as is yeah, mine. It's amazing. Mm. It's, um, and it, it lifts everything because it's like, oh, finally, a vocalist with some character, you know? Uh, and the way that, like, Simon screams on that song, it sounds like he's shredding his vocals, you know? And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get that from Sam Carter. I'm not saying that vocalists need to shred their vocals in order to be good, but I don't, nothing in his performance, the way that he, sings or screams he has a distinctive scream but it's not a scream that stirs anything in me at all and then simon neil comes in and suddenly i can feel things going on in my belly and like i can feel i can feel something it's such a moment oh it's a i mean it's a great moment it's a great moment i think you know like (coughs) winston coming in on impermanence Mm. is a great moment i think the guests are really are really well used on this record i think the guest spots sound great and they don't sound, I don't, but to me, they don't sound great to the detriment of the rest of the album. You know, I mean, I think Goliath is a great song and Simon Neil's bit in it is great. I mean, my favourite song in it is Demigod, which starts like Emotion Sickness by Silverchair called Metalcore. And it's really, really fucking great. I will say there are three songs on this record, which I think are brilliant. Like genuinely very, very good. 
Uh, and Demigod is one of them. Um, I think Demigod is absolutely fantastic. Um, I think it's a better version of Dead Butterflies. But I think that yeah, also... Yeah, I mean, I prefer it, but I... You know. I think that also kind of shows part of the issues of the record in that like they're unsure of like they've got two songs which are essentially the same uh and they're unsure of which one to put on there so they just put both of them on there anyway and i think that's you know that's what i mean when i feel when i say like they're a little bit lost they're a little bit unsure a little bit little bit i don't feel like i'm in the company of people who are assured and know exactly what they're doing i feel like i'm in the company of a band who are faltering around a little bit and, you know, they are doing things which are really, which are definitely to be encouraged. I'm so happy that this record is, doesn't sound like a rehash of the last four, like they've been doing for fucking 10 years. I'm so happy it sounds different. And you should never, ever, you know, I mean, many people in metalcore do, but you should never, ever um, have a go at a band for trying new things. But I think there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever that the like some of this stuff is quite successful, but some of it really isn't. Like some of it is really. What's your um? Uh, what what are your uh, your moments that you don't think work then? Um, I named an ordinary extinction already, um, mm-hmm. which I just find irritating. Um, Flight without feathers. See, that's very- poppy to me. That's pop. That's a really good like i say like we were just talking about daft punk and indie rock and i was like oh that's a sort of indie-esque heavier kind of indie pop rock song Mm. which you know if you don't like that sort of thing you probably aren't going to like it but i thought it was you know i i really liked the kind of forward momentum of that song i thought it was cool um i think flight without feathers is a really interesting one i think flight without feathers sounds really nice it sounds so nice it's got a very electronic almost trip poppy vibe Mm. Um, but I think the song itself is pretty forgettable and I think it kind of shows up architects as not particularly good songwriters because as soon as you take them out of their comfort zone, you've got something pretty dribbly and drab and just doesn't work very well. And again, I kind of like, I heard thrice doing this on that water record from the alchemy index 10 times better fucking well, 13, 14 years ago. Um, little wonder just seems to come in and do very little libertine does nothing for me. I think meteor is a complete waste of time. Meteor is one of the ones that I think is, I mean, if I was going to try and shave some time off of this record, meteor might be one of the ones that I would be, you know, happy to, to let go to be perfectly honest. Um, I think a large part of the problem is, is Sam Carter. If I'm totally honest, I remember mentioning this on the Holy hell review. So, Holy Hell was when he started, um, like, started doing a lot more sort of singing and melody and stuff like that. Mm. And, uh, you know, he can sing. Um, he's not a great singer, but he's not a poor singer. I think the issue is hit the vocal lines that he comes up with are just so uninspired. And really, I think they're really dull um, and very repetitive, especially over the course of an hour long album. There were a lot of times where I kept listening back and going, well, you've basically done the same thing there as you did like five songs ago. And I just don't think he's a very versatile vocalist at all. He has a very distinct scream. You know, when you hear him, you know it's Sam Carter. But I think sometimes, and identity is important, and I wang on about identity all the time. But I think sometimes people mistake that for him being an amazing vocalist. And I just don't think he's very dynamic. 
And, you know, there is an argument to be said, well, he's only just started trying singing stuff and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, nine albums in. Should have tried it, should have tried earlier. <laughs> I think the vocals are really, it's eight, really... It's eight for Sam. I think they're very, very uninspired on the album. Uh, I I mean, you know, I... I don't I don't think that at all. I think, you know, I think Sam is a uh, a potent weapon within the Architects canon. Um when I think of well, when I think of Doomsday, as much as that riff has been ripped off, I think of Sam's vocals on it, which I think are, you know, superb. And I think Sam, like you say, has got a really recognizable scream in a field of very, very unrecognizable multi you know, interchangeable vocalists but that's um, that's only the start to be becoming like a truly great vocalist the way people talk about sam carter's vocals i just think is so ridiculously over the top um like he is he is not a very dynamic singer i i think in terms uh, he's not he's he does sound a lot like ollie sykes it has to be said um you know there's very similar kind of and no one's sort of sitting around going oh ollie sykes what a brilliant singer he's much you know? better than ollie i mean come on that's fucking mad you can't compare him to ollie sykes i mean ollie sykes can barely you go and watch what i will right you go and watch architects and you watch sam and he can completely recreate and sometimes in a harsher way can recreate everything that he does on these records ollie sykes doesn't even sing the songs that he sings live do you know what i mean like he is getting jordan fish to do everything so let's mm. not go too far down here renfrew because i think that is i'm, that I'm, is, I'm just saying he sounds like ollie he doesn't sound a million miles away from ollie i think he sounds like ollie sykes i'm not i'm not saying in terms of the quality of their that I, I do think sam carter is a better singer than ollie sykes but i yeah. I, I think they do sound very similar yeah Okay, I mean, I've never ever thought that before, but um, well, I think a lot of I people guess. agreed when Animals came out. I mean, I think that was part of what people were talking about with those Bring Me associations. I yeah, thought. but that's quite an, you know after uh, I think if you go back and listen to I mean listen to them in their entirety, the two of them, their career, one song, nine albums in from Architects, and going, oh, that sounds a bit like Bring Me the Horizon, and you know, like yeah, it does. I think you can look at a band like Bring Me the Horizon. I think you can look at a band like Thrice. I think the fact that they got Simon Neil from Biffy Clyro on here, you know what Architects are kind of roundly aiming for on this, and I think it's it's an it's an intention to not completely throw the baby out of the bathwater and keep the kind of core idea of what Architects was, but at the same time try and go well. Are we going to be this screamy metalcore band forever? And there's enough evidence on this record for me personally. And like I say, first time I listened to this record, I was like, oh man, I feel a bit like I might come in and just be like, ugh, about it. But second listening, I preferred it a bit more. Third, fourth, fifth, getting to like six, now 10, 15 listens to the album. I I really like it. It's, it's wormed its way in to my subconscious. And I think that definitely a to me... That to me is a sign of a good record. The fact that my first time I was like, I'm not sure about this. And then at this late down the line, like, you know, for me, it's I've I've now had this album coming up three months. So I've had a long time with it. And I know that you haven't had as long with it and you probably no. aren't going to give it three months anyway, are you? Let's be honest. No. Um, uh, <laughs> whereas, you know, I mean, I reviewed it for Metal Hammer. And initially, I mean, if we, I, I think I'm not sure if I said this to you, but I definitely said to Merlin at Hammer. I was like, oh, fucking hell. I think I'm going to give this like a six because I'm not really feeling it. Yeah, you did say and that. then I made myself, you know, go, 
I should give it four or five listens to really kind of get it. And actually, I now think the opposite of you is to me, architects are far more interesting and I enjoy them more on this record when they are being melodic. I mean, Dying is Absolutely Safe, the last song on the record, is probably the, the softest thing they've ever done. Well, that is that right? is the other song, which I think is fucking great. Yeah. yeah, and it's lovely. And the clean, again, you know, I put that on my headphones mm. and the guitars sound really clean and probably the cleanest guitar sound they've ever had. The orchestra, I think, sounds really good. And it sounds it sounds lovely on a pair of headphones. I think, you know, they've self-produced this album as well. And there's no getting away from the fact that this is a band who are having to kind of rebuild and refine their feet. But for me, this is comfortably, a, a, definitely a far more superior album to Holy Hell. And the highlights on it are amongst the best things that they've done in their career. And I would like to think that they would take a song like Demigod or Dine is Absolutely Safe and that they would lean in on that as far and as hard as they possibly can. I, for the I next record. You know what? I, I, I actually do agree. I definitely agree it's better than Holy Hell. Um, I definitely agree at its best, it is some of the best stuff that architects have done. Um, I think it's a shame that a lot of these decisions have been made um, because other bands have gone out and done them before already, you know? And again, it's kind of like, well, where where is your career where where i never feel like i know who architects are from from listening to their records i just don't have a clue you know because i don't think yeah okay you can you can hear who sam you can hear that it is sam carter but bar the fact that i mean there's a very big thread about environmentalism in this album as you'd probably expect and i mean half the songs seem to be about how we're fucking up the planet and that's a perfectly fine thing to sing about but I don't know if you need to sing it about it seven, eight, nine times, you know. Um, and you do wonder how many I hope, ideas... I hope you say this when we review the Gojira album. Oh, <laughs> stop going on about the environment. Um, I'm sure that there will be songs about the environment on the Gojira record, but will it be the whole thing? You know, I mean, it. it I guess what I'm trying to say is there are a lot of ideas that are repeated on this record. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of ideas which are done much better um, on some songs than they are on other ones. And I think it's a shame that they couldn't narrow it down to make a really great, short, sharp, like 10 song, 40 minute record, 45 maybe. Um, and I think that's because, you know, they might be in an in-between phase at the moment where they're trying to figure out what they're doing. And that's fine. Trying to figure out what you're doing is fine. But I think it would have massively improved the record as a whole if they'd been able to shave off some of the ideas which are pretty meh you know there's some there's a fair i don't think there's anything on here which is awful um but there's quite no. there's quite a lot of i mean the meteor's close and an ordinary extinction i think is close but there's a lot of meh on here there's a lot of stuff which is kind of shoulder shrug I think, I think Goliath, uh, Demigod, and um, oh crap, what's the last song called again? Sorry, Dying is absolutely Dying safe. is absolutely safe. Are really positive indicators of where they could go, um, and I think they just need to believe in themselves a little bit more and try and kind of find some creativity from within themselves rather than looking at what other people are doing. Here's what I think, right? We can moan and groan about metalcore. And we do, to be fair. And it's a style 
for me that deserves like every, every genre deserves to have something good about it right do you know what i mean every and i think we've got we've got parkway drive who undoubtedly are a really good version of you know that thing i think <laughs> the box for what metalcore is feels really small when you think about it sometimes it feels really small feels very compact and it feels quite difficult to maneuver around i mean we've talked about bands that i really like like unearth for example who you're like ah you know they just do the same thing over and over again and most of those bands they kind of do and particularly now that we've got like what is it 20 odd years in and a long time post the the commercial peak of that sort of thing it's very difficult to look at it and go you know who are the who are the bands that are at least that that aren't letting that that type of music go and being like well fuck you we're not that anymore but and are still related enough to it for people who like it to like but also are doing something which isn't just the same thing parkway drive architects i mean i'd say less successfully while less successfully while she sleeps and bring me the horizon do that as well like i'm not fussed by the last couple of bring me records but i guess at least they are you know they are trying to do a bunch of stuff um yeah and architects have now joined that train which i think is encouraging i'd be really really interested to know what they're going to do after this i i'm glad that they i'm glad that this record sounds the way it, it does sound i wonder if some people will get a bit like grumpy about it i wonder because i think there are parts of it that have, go, yeah, yeah i think a few people have but i think it's really sad that you know um people judge things just so fucking quickly these days i do agree with you i think this record is a, is a grower you know um i i think um it it, it I mean, when I first heard it, I was just completely blase, just nonplussed for the whole thing, more or less, bar Simon Neil coming in. And, um, you know, the more I've listened to it, the more that I have seen that there are bits in it that are, are actually really magnificently put together. Um, but there is, I mean, it's undeniable. There is a lot of drab stuff on here. There's a lot of stuff which is really going through the motions and just not particularly interesting um and i think architects have been exalted to this position far beyond their actual abilities and it's it's difficult when you're about like i my heart kind of goes out to them in a way because it's difficult to kind of maintain that especially when your primary songwriter has is, is no longer here you know that's it's a really really difficult thing it's kind of amazing that they even decided to continue at all and it's it's really admirable um that doesn't even despite those circumstances it doesn't change my feelings on the, the actual music and the fact that i think they have effectively been doing the same thing for 10 odd years and it's really nice to see that this is something different and for the first time ever i wouldn't say i'm excited about what architects are going to do next because architects and this kind of metalcore it's just not something that i am interested in but i'm more curious about what they're going to do next than i ever have been before because in the past i haven't given a flying fuck so right well there you go um there it is uh architects the album for those that wish it exist is out right now uh one of us likes it more than the other <laughs> who would have guessed it we could that could have been a whole review um but we've spent quite a lot of time talking about it all right let's move on now to um something rather different julian baker the album is called little oblivions it's the third album from the memphis solo artist to follow up to 2017 to turn out the lights um 
you know, I have not heard that record. Uh, I don't actually know that much about Julian Baker, um, but I did read the press notes, Renfrew. Yes, I hey. did. I actually did do that. And apparently this is a much fuller record than her previous work. Is that fair to say? Most definitely, yeah. Her 2014 debut sprained ankle was basically a very sparse record with basically just julian baker and an electric guitar really um very very restrained very very intimate um i absolutely adored that record i went to see her at st pancras old church on that tour and it was just absolutely electrifying pretty much everyone just crying their eyes out for the whole time um turn out the lights I'm seeing a lot of people being going like this is the first time where she's really embraced more instrumentation. I think there was a, a fair bit more instrumentation on Turn Out the Lights. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly Little Oblivion's this album is where she's really kind of um, approached. I mean, you've got uh, bass, drums, synths, banjos, mandolins, um, like lots of weird effects and stuff. And all of them performed by julian she self-produced the record uh, and it's a far bigger kind of sound than you tend to expect from this sort of singer-songwriter thing do you think that's fair to say yeah i think there's little bits and bobs of um i think it's still like can, can, you know if, if that is true uh i think this is a fairly slight album all the same mm -hmm. uh, just in a, a sort of i guess a different way i mean there's certainly a lot of floaty shoegazy stuff um oh, i think, think so? and i do and I, yeah, I feel like I enjoy it more when it's being quite quiet, personally. Um, like the start of, there's a song called Crying Wolf and the start of it is really, really good. And the track before that, actually, there's one called um, Relative Fiction, which has this awesome sort of, it kind of, I've put that it creep stomps rhythmically. It kind of like, if you imagine one of them stompy rock songs, but done very, 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 very gently. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I really like that. Um, and there's kind of like patterned drums on, something like Bloodshot, which has got a sort of post-punk um, feel to it. And there's a Cure-esque tonality to some of it that, um, like Ringside, I thought it sounded like it could be like a B-side from Disintegration. Um, B-side? Well, it's not getting on Disintegration, is it? Come on. <laughs> okay it's not on Disintegration. Uh, no, it's definitely not on Disintegration, but I think that's a little harsh. Well, I like this record. Um, I do. I mean, it's quite funny to come to this after what we've uh, just been talking about because there are plenty of people, plenty, plenty, plenty of people. Um, maybe I'm just a bit fatigued by breathy, quiet, like female singer-songwritery stuff at the moment. But I thought this record was good. Um, you know, overdriven guitars, high breathy vocals, piano-y parts. It's quite different from like the stuff that we've covered before, to be fair. It's pretty... It's... it's, it's <laughs> It's less different from uh, the Phoebe Bridges album as uh, Atlas is to Aya, I would say. <laughs> I think those two things sound more different than those two albums do together. This is a thing. I'm not that totally convinced about it. I think, I think, um, I mean, so Phoebe Bridges and Julian Baker uh, are actually in a band together called Boy Genius, uh, along with Lucy Dacre as well, who is just absolutely fantastic. I think in terms of these, like, when I think of artists like Laura Marling or Sharon Van Etten or Fiona Apple, I feel like yeah, Bridges, Lucy Dacre and Julia Jacqueline and, and artists like this are kind of the next generation of those sorts of artists who are just coming up. And um, I mean, Julian Baker's fairly far ahead with this being her third album. She's shown a progression from every single record. Every record is very identifiably hers, but there is 
every record also sounds quite different um so, like definitely with julian baker there's massive massive strides made between the three um yeah, i wouldn't I would, i've not heard any yeah. so i wouldn't know that yeah and i think um i really i think she's managed to quite beautifully bring in full band instrumentation and um without kind of sacrificing the intimacy of her vocal and and of her presence she's very she's a she's a tiny tiny woman and i mean that physically i don't mean like <laughs> i don't mean that in a nasty way but she's so small when she plays a guitar it looks like she's playing a bass um mm. and um that kind of fragility that she has and then the juxtaposition between the fragility and the really quite dark bleak lyrics in some cases um you know say my own name in the mirror and when nobody appears say it's not so cut and dry oh isn't it black and white well if it's all black baby you know it's very 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 dark very dark a lot of this stuff and i think mm. that um that juxtaposition we talk about it all the time but like that juxtaposition is really 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 powerful it's particularly powerful seeing her live as well because I, I'm assuming this this album would have more of a full band sort of thing, but usually it's just I've seen her just her with an electric guitar on a stage at Union Chapel or whatever, and it's it's just so it seems so fragile. Um, and I think there's something that's really I uh, quite a lot of the time when this kind of singer songwriter stuff expands into more full band stuff, it loses something, and I think she's brilliantly managed to not do that I, I mean i have to i i love this record i think it's absolutely brilliant i really really enjoy it it is yeah there are stylistic similarities for phoebe bridges they're in a band together uh it's not yeah. it's not entirely unsurprising um i do think this is, is a very different different record to punisher um in lots of ways punisher was a much more subdued quiet record which eventually grew larger and larger and then became oh, massive like at the that, end i feel like you know this is it's, you know like i like i say I, I i do like this record and i do like it when it um is a bit more subdued personally i think that's that like the, the, the quietest the quietest bits of it tend to be the bits where i really listen in the most um and I was interested to hear that, you know, that's obviously more of what she's been doing throughout her career, because I think those bits are really good. But I do like the addition of, you know, the kind of stuff that uh, seems to be quite popular at the moment, that kind of 80s post-punky, you know, overdriven guitars and sort of um, that wash of sound and uh, the, the, the sort of airy sounding drums. I, you know, I obviously I love all that shit. I love it all. So I am going to kind of go, oh yeah, cool. I like that. But I do actually prefer her when she's a little bit more, um, I think I'd probably like to go back to listen to her other albums, mm. which are stripped back and just with an acoustic guitar. Cause those were the bits that I found. I guess those are the bits that I found more interesting mm. from so, the record personally. So a song like Song in E, which is just her and a piano. Yeah. 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 Which is beautiful. Actually. I was going to come to that in a bit. Yeah. Um, the kind of b balladic uh, piano -y parts are the bits that you know when you kind of if you be typing and then you sort of stop but you like lean into the speaker or whatever mm. i felt every time i found myself doing that i was like oh this is a good bit and there's a couple of occasions where i did do that i think you know this is a this is a good record mm. um i just like i don't know i didn't think it's quite as good as some of the other ones that we've covered from like 
Hillary Woods or um, I mean I think actually going very back to different. Punisher very I was, different I was, to Hillary Woods I think very different Hillary Woods is a far darker musically sonic kind of I mean it's quite abrasive in points um, at points I Hillary think that's Woods. kind of what I found interesting about it. I think that's mm. what I kind of preferred about it mm-hmm. is that when Julian Baker like you say it's it's pretty even when it's full instrumentation it's still quite slight you know, in, it's still in, quite it's wh- still quite um when uh, you compare it to say the architects record yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's 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 it sounds the, the song it never sonically gets as loud as something like that but within its um within its i, I think it has quite a lot of peaks and troughs sonically in terms of you know where it goes i i think it is a pretty dynamic record especially as far as this sort of thing goes when and, and i will throw my hands up whilst i love this kind of thing i can't always say that um this sort of music is does release really dynamic records i mean provided i'm feeling something and provided they're making me feel something i don't really care sprained ankle for example her first record I couldn't call that a dynamic record at all. The entire thing is her and an electric guitar, basically, by herself. Mm. But she writes, she's, I'm feeling something every single second of that record. And therefore, it still keeps my interest because she has such an amazing way with words. She has an amazing vocal delivery, quite a unique delivery, I think, which is very... um, uh, well, I, I keep going back to this word fragile. I mean, there's just a fragility to what she did, particularly on Sprained Ankle. I think it's hidden a bit more on this because of the more full band. She's um, very quiet. Stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think, but I think she's, she's low in the mix of vocals, aren't they? I think she's quiet in a way that draws you in. Like, definitely live. I mean, you know. Um, and she has some like amazing, amazing uh, juxtapositions with lyrics in terms of. There's a lot of religious icon- iconography that comes up and then stuff relating to drug addiction and things like that. It's very, very dark. Uh, there's a song like Repeat, which I think takes up the mantle from Song in E and gradually builds with drum machines and warm synths and clean guitar. And then she just starts singing, you know, the word repeat, repeat, repeats, repeats over and over again. And it's within the context of the song, it's really, it's really very beautiful and really very affecting. Um, I think it works beautifully. And then, I mean, the record, record ends with Zip Tie, which is just astonishing. Just a beautiful, beautiful song and a brilliant, brilliant way to end the record. Well, I mean, you know, she's three albums in now. I haven't listened to the other records. She's 25 as well. She's 25. And it's 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 a good record. Um, I actually would like to hear her get, with this, you know, with the kind of the more spacious instrumentation parts i would like to hear her get a little bit more up do you know what i mean i would actually like to i would there were parts of the record where i was like um you know like bloodshot for example Mm -hmm. was a song that i was like musically i really like this but she sits so low in the mix in the Mm. vocals and it's all very um i was gonna say apologetic but it's not really i mean it's not even it's not apologetic it's just it's so quiet like she remains so quiet even when the record like you say it's not a one paced one note record mm. it can be really it can musically be quite quiet and it can also be musically quite um full but she to me remains fairly uh like the energy her energy remains fairly similar throughout the whole record i think um i understand what you're saying when you say quiet i say intimate 
and I suppose that's just a glass half full, glass half empty way of seeing it. But to, to me, but there's I, think, a, I, I, I was going to say like that's fine, but mm. I just think there are moments on this record where she could have been. Fun. You know, there are, there are moments on the Fiona Apple record where she just erupts. You know, and it is so exciting. Now I appreciate maybe Julian Baker isn't trying to do that, but mm. even you know, mm. there, there are moments on that Phoebe Bridges album where she really fucking. Mm in a different way but she lets go and and she you know she really kind of ups the the intensity and the energy of the songs and if i was going to kind of nitpick on something which i would like to see within this framework i actually feel like i would probably be more interested in a consistent level of oh it's me with an acoustic guitar it's mm. me on the piano and it's quiet throughout a la uh bill callahan when we did that mm. record which mm. is so mm. quiet mm. that it just you just sit in that place <clears throat> you know we did ghost poet and i was like it's just a nice place to be mm. this changes a bit but it doesn't really change but she doesn't change enough alongside it for me to for me to be like oh this is one of my favorite ones of this mm. yeah I, I understand what you're saying i think i think the dynamics could be pushed more but then I also worry that that intimacy would be lost a little bit if that happened. I think you'd sacrifice one thing to get the other thing. Um, I think actually that happened a little bit with her last record. Um, her, her last Turn Out the Lights. I, there isn't a single record that she's done that I've not liked. But Turn Out the Lights for me is probably her least successful because she expanded the, ex, uh, the instrumentation a little bit, but kind of lost a bit of a sense of in intimacy on a lot of that record not all of it but on a lot of it i think what i'm what i love about this one and the context that i have with this one that you don't is because i've heard those first two records i can hear how she's progressed and expanded things out and yet still remained quite intimate um mm. i think there are moments where she kind of lets go a bit the end of repeat being one of them for example could yeah. she do that more? Potentially, yes. But I also worry that if she did, then maybe it would uh you it would lose something else as a result of that. Um mm. I'd like to see her give it a go, regardless. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe I need to listen to those other albums to really hear the thing that I want to hear. But I would yeah, I would I I would be interested to see her. There's a song called Rejoice. Give it a go. There's a song called Rejoice on Sprained Ankle where I would say she lets go, I would say, um, which right. is hair-raising every single time I listen to it. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, that to me makes me go, oh, well, maybe you are quite good at it. I, yeah, I think there's a few. I think, you know, I think Repeat's a great moment. I think Zip Tie's a great moment. I really love the first. I mean... Sprained Ankle is one of those records that to me is just always going to be very special to me. It came along mm -hmm. in a time like it, it's kind of one of the, she's sort of one of these artists in a way that for me, that album is so personal to me. I don't think she's ever going to sort of better it for me, which doesn't mean that this isn't isn't a better record. But, um, you know, that album just means an awful lot to me. Um, right. But I. Uh, yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying, and I understand why you're saying that. I just I I worry that she would lose something that is special and intrinsic to her, which you don't get in many other artists. If she did go along that road, but I do understand why you're saying that. I do get it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Um, that is Little Oblivions by Julienne Baker. That is out now as well. And that brings us to another band who do the same thing over and over again. It's No Effects. The album is called Single Album. It's the 14th studio album from the LA Punk Legends. Their first album since 2016's 
first ditch effort, although they have done a bunch of stuff since then, including the West Coast versus Wessex split uh, with Frank Turner that we we actually reviewed on the show mm. last year. Um, this represents 30 years of this particular lineup of no FX without a member change in all of that time, consistently being a band for 30 years, the same four people. I think that is pretty impressive. And I actually thought first ditch effort had some really quite good songs in it, considering no effects, the kind of a, a smellier version of Weezer in a lot of ways, isn't they? they hadn't really done much that had been l- worth listening to for a very, very long time before that. First ditch effort is my favorite no effects album since um, pump up the Valium. I thought wow, I great. thought you were going to say this is my first, my favourite NoFX album for a minute. No, 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 like, no. Whoa, 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 no, whoa, whoa. No, no, whoa, no. Whoa, but, I, but I think it's the best thing they had done at that point for, it was, must have been about 15 years, I would guess. Yeah. I mean, if it's, I mean, yeah, uh, Pump Up the Valium was probably the last NoFX album that I gave a shit about, mm. really. Um, and it is great. And it's mm. one of my favourite NoFX albums as well. I would say, I, um, I I found myself going. So I I I think I I think I've heard all the No Effects records between Pump Up the Valium and uh, this one, and um, I found myself listening, checking them out, and being like, okay, that's cool. They're still doing the thing that they do, and it's quite nice. But First Stitch Effort was the first one in those that fifteen year period that I went back to, like after I'd reviewed it or after I'd finished working with it if that makes mm-hmm. sense i went back to it as a fan um and yeah i i, I think first stitch effort's got some great stuff on it yeah i can't really remember that much about it but i do like uh uh, uh t- was it 12 years on dope it was 12 years on dope years brilliant song. open wicked. yeah yeah it's yeah, one of the yeah, best yeah. one of the best songs i've ever written i think yeah best. it's great and i mean to be fair to no effects here right all this time down the line the opening song here, The Big Drag, is nearly six minutes long. It's very slow to begin with. It's quite subtle. Builds. Builds almost like a post-rock song, doesn't it, Renfrey? Oh, oh yeah, almost. Yeah. For, for as, as close as no effects are ever going to get to doing that. And it kind oh, of explodes well, about halfway the de- well, through. Well, the decline. Oh, well, yeah, the decline. Okay, fine. Um, and it sounds quite serious. It's got some like keys in the background. It's not really got anything to do with SoCal punk whatsoever has it it's it is a a big surprise yeah it is Mm. i've been told by the pr before we did this that like this was a record that um uh fat mike so he's newly sober and and uh he's he's had you know some difficulties in the last few years of his life uh, in the last few years apparently um and um yeah this certainly generally particularly that song does feel like a pretty dark no effects record there are you know there are songs there are funny songs about gender dysphoria and so on and so forth um but particularly that opening the big drag it's like the most despondent we've ever heard fat mike um a song he described as a personal vow to make the most of life even when it undeniably sucks and it's almost it's almost six minutes long. Um, it's quite an opening statement for a NoFX album. Yeah, uh, and it does echo one of my favourite NoFX songs, "The Decline," which I've already just mentioned. Their twenty-minute mm-hmm. single, uh, which is, is that your favourite NoFX song? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. It yeah, probably probably is. To be fair, I mean, it is great. Don't you know? Um, and it doesn't have a very typical song structure in the same way that's yeah i suppose there are some post-rock things about it um you know but uh, yeah that is that's that's a really good song isn't it like it's and it's very different 
It is, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you know, Fat Mike has done a old Coke Cookie the Clown or whatever he's called. And he's done the, the, clown, the, the yeah. yeah, and he's sort of tried to write a, an opera and stuff. And, you know, it, it, they get kind of pigeonholed as like, oh, silly punk band singing about you know no effects are not blink 182 and they never have been they're more and diverse than people give them credit they, for. i think they probably are a little bit more diverse yeah. than people give it credit credit yeah. credit for i mean you know the things that people think about when they think about no effects the things that people will remember no effects for are probably they're probably pigeonholed fairly rightly and i think the mm. um the percentage of no effects silly kind of scar punk socal fast hardcore melodic singing about weird shit with the the other 20 percent of fairly serious stuff it feels about right to me it's about an 80 20 split i think um but the fact that they they do do that and they are still continually pushing themselves with a song like this with like the big drag i think fucking fair play to them mm. like fair play to band this line that's been together for 30 years this is their 14th album as well yeah and again we talk about genres that you and i that you're talking about creatively bankrupt genres skate punk like people even Mm. fucking play it anymore Mm. i don't know that they do so you know this is this is i mean listen to what offspring have been doing it is you've got to give no effects credit yeah I, at least trying i was about to say if you compare it to their contemporaries uh, i think single album stands up very well i, I take this over father of all motherfuckers any day of the week oh um God, yeah. you know um the offspring have a new album out in april um so we might be getting a bit of a 90s pop punk resurgence of a sort in 2021 who knows which i'm sure you're delighted about steve um, really happy i've 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 heard very positive things about the new offspring album although i've not heard it so i can't say anything about it but who knows from anyone from the person who's doing the pr for the record yeah right. uh, <laughs> mm. um but yeah i th- i think although to be fair the person who's doing the pr for that particular album is, is not the sort of person who yeah. would say this is great if it wasn't Unlike, yeah there exa- are exa- there exa- are other prs who do <laughs> might do that but exactly he's he's not one of them exactly um yeah, that whole 80-20 split, I think, for NoFX's career as a whole is absolutely accurate. Uh, it feels more like it's 50-50 on this record, though, isn't it? Like half mm. like serious songs, half non-serious songs. And I do really like it when NoFX are quite serious. That song, Fish in a Gun Barrel, that kind of lackadaisical, yeah. scar-infused, lausch, offbeat, reggae thing. Cowboy um, scar, I've put. Cowboy yeah. scar, that's not bad. But lyrically, mm. it's about a mass shooting. And, yeah. and and I really well, it, love that juxtaposition. It works really, really well. Well, it, it's, you know, you know how crazy was he before he loaded his gun? Mm. You know, it's a really clearly like it's a very astute commentary on the fact that the United States love to find a reason why somebody has killed someone before going. Maybe maybe we shouldn't have let that person have a gun in the first place. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And lyrically, um, lyrically, it reminded me of Dylan. In its simplicity yeah. and the, you know, it, it trying to like get something across. I, I was like, this is quite Dylan-esque in a way, you know. I never thought yeah. I'd conjure Bob Dylan in a NoFX review, but there you go. No, I mean, you know, obviously this is a NoFX album and it occasionally does sound like, well, not even occasionally, it does often sound like a NoFX album. Yeah. I mean, I love you more than you hate me and fuck euphemism are both Pretty fairly typical. straight, yeah. straight, straight NoFX songs. Um, they aren't really wacky or corny. Like, you know, in the way that NerfX can do on something like Monosyllabic Girl or, you know what I mean? They've done 
songs before where you're like, well, this is silly. And I don't think they're silly. I mean, Fuck Euphemism is quite a proud, empowering look at Fat Mike being a crossdresser. Yeah. It's yeah. not meant to be played for laughs at all, I don't think. Although no. it is quite a kind of upbeat song. I don't really think it's been played for laughs at all. And, um, you know, I don't think all of it's great. I mean, I, you know, it kind of, after the fish in a, a barrel gun, um, which is a, was a real highlight for me. It kind of drops down to the next song, Birmingham, which mm. felt like one of the weaker songs and particularly, you know, and it's kind of bookended. It's kind of, well, yeah, I guess it's sandwiched between um, that song and Linoleum, mm. uh, which I think probably would have been better to go straight into that after Fish in a Barrel Gun, which is a sort of reworking of uh, Linoleum, which is yeah. a big, big hit from uh, earlier on in their career, talking about their good old days. Um, yeah. Last song that Tony Sly ever played, according to the song. And I mean, is that, am I getting this right? It's basically retiring the song Linoleum. So I'm assuming they're going to be playing this one instead. So it's not really retiring. It's just sort of changing the lyrics to an old song whilst retiring it, but still playing it. It's yeah. yeah. Very no effects. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure if it was entirely necessary. I mean, having said that, um, you know, if they're bored of playing that song and they want to play it slightly differently, then that's up to them. Um, I, I think most people are going to prefer the original version of Linoleum. Um, apparently, yeah, I, Avenged Sevenfold appear on this track. I don't know if that's well, true or not. Yeah, because there's loads of like, I, mean, I was about to say, it's got loads of like, yeah. I'm assuming that's um, Sinister Gates. Yeah, could be, could be. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of soloing on that. I mean, I was like, fucking hell, what? <laughs> there's a lot of soloing on this song. <laughs> Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do agree. With, I think, um, yeah, the second half of the record as a whole generally doesn't quite live up to the first half. And I do kind of, I am more interested in no effects when they're being a bit more serious. I mean, Birmingham, as you mentioned, or Birmingham, um, is a little, yeah, that's kind of them, that is them trying to like be a bit jokey and stuff like that, in, mm, in a sense, yeah. isn't it? Um. I think there's a really great song towards the end, Grieve Soto, um, which is about the adolescence uh, frontman Steve Soto who passed away. Uh, oh God, yeah. But, but it's, a, it's a tribute to him. And they tend to do these tribute songs for Fallen Punk Heroes quite well. There's one about Tony Sly on yep. First at Chess at Effort, wasn't there? There is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do quite like that. You know, I like that. I like, do that. I like Doors and Fours, which comes after as well. Again, that's, mm. a, you know, it's not a silly song. It's not, a, it's a serious song. And Your Last Resort, uh, again, it, that, the whole kind of, I guess, from linoleum onwards, it is, yeah, it is a kind of quite a reflective record. It doesn't always sound musically like that, but it yeah. is, you know, and Fat Mike is good at that, you know? Yeah, he is. Fat Mike is kind of um, painted as like a bit of a sort of, Clown. you know, sarcastic, clowny, arrogant dickhead sometimes. Mm. But, you know, he can write some genuinely quite moving songs. And mm. I, 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 there is a fair bit of that. And it's, I mean, is it the best musically, the best NoFX album? No, definitely not. Like, not even close. But is it a record that shows a, a quite welcome new side to it? I mean, by, like where you go, where you put this in NoFX's back catalogue, it's fairly middling, I'd say. It's sort of ho-hummy, middling, middle of the... It's it's not as good as Pump Up the Valium. It's not as good as So Long and Thanks for the Shoes. It's not as good as Punk and Drublick. It's not as good as... Um, uh, white trash two heaps and a bean mm. um it's 
probably not quite as good as first ditch effort overall i wouldn't say i do prefer first ditch effort to this but i don't think there's loads in it hmm. um but then it's probably better than something like heavy petting zoo yeah which was a bit of a fuck not up. great not great or um although that that, era... co- that cover brilliant yeah, <laughs> horrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, war on erosism is what it errorism. Yeah, yeah, errorism. Sorry, errorism. Uh, yeah, that, I found that quite forgettable as well. Um, um, wolf in wolf in wolf's clothing was the one. I mean, yeah. I actually thought that was a bit better than war on errorism. But again, I mean, yeah, I actually think I probably would prefer that to this because at least it's something different, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's not that far down. I mean, when you think they've done, what did I say? 19, 14 albums? 14. 14. 14 and we're saying it's probably seven. I mean, about seventh out of yeah. 14. Yeah, I'd say seventh, sixth or seventh. Seventh, eight, seventh, eighth out of 14. Mm. It's not too bad. Um, fair play to NFX for just trying a few new ideas, not con- sticking to the conventions of you know what they used to do i mean my suspicion will be well right, let's not pick on the offspring let's pick on green day because green day we don't know if offspring deserve to be picked on we do know that green day definitely do so green day deserves to be picked on and green day deserves to be picked on because they go no oh, yeah we're gonna kill pop punk yeah we're still it's like you're like fucking 60 mate and you're covering tiffany songs mm. like shut the fuck up and you're not young or cool or you know you're not like and no effects admit I'm old and I'm past yeah. it and I'm shit. Yeah. And they admit, and that's what this album's about. I'm, it's slower, fucking tough. I'm not happy. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. And I think like, good, good for you. I'd rather hear that than this kind of pathetic attempt. Like, you know, when you see Mark Hoppus in, you know, it, or Travis Barker in fucking long shorts, how, how do you do fellow kids with his fucking baseball cap on backwards? Hmm. It's pathetic. No effects aren't pathetic. <laughs> i do agree yeah, uh, yeah 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 i do i like generally i do agree and i think this is a this is a far more like this is by far the most interesting album from that era uh of this kind of thing that i've heard in quite a long time i think um yeah. I, I i haven't yet decided if i'll go back to the whole thing or if i will just pick and choose because i i do think that this album is full of great songs and then three to four completely average forgettable forgettable yeah. no effect songs yeah. um so i'm not sure if i'll go back to the record as a whole or if i'll just pick half of it but you know i i can't imagine not listening to the big drag again and stuff like that i think this is i think there's some really cool and fish in a gun barrel i think fish in a gun barrel might be my favorite song actually um on this record um i think it's just really brilliant you know um yeah i i think this is really great and and not to be expected for a band uh on their 14th album at all so true that definitely true 14 that. albums in that is quite a good effort from nerfx i would say a pretty fucking good effort so there you go the album's called single album it's out now and now we come to our last album of the week it comes from glitterer the album is called life is not a lesson it's the work of one man ned russin uh this is the second glitter album the follow-up to 2019's looking through the shades which was reviewed on our show although i wasn't actually here that week when we reviewed mm. it so i've never actually heard that record before mm. but you have yes 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 i mm. um so ned russin used to be the one of the co-vocalists in um, title fight did you were you ever a title fight fan 
I heard title fight, but I know I know like there are people who go fucking batty for title fight. I don't know, they love them. I wouldn't say I go batty for them, but I but I do like them very very much. Would you say you go batty for anything? Would you use the word batty for anything at all? Um, I frown upon the word batty because it's <laughs> because um, uh, it's also a slur. <laughs> um, Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a, it's a uh, homophobic slur. But, you know, oh, uh, no, in, in no, the no. context I, that you're using it in, I think people would be a bit shitty to be like, oh, you're not allowed to use that word because it's obvious that that's not what you're saying. Right. OK. No, I thought that was I thought there's an extra bit you have to add to Batty to make it a slur. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We, I, I, we, I, I had a there's someone who I vaguely <laughs> Let's not talk about I this. don't know why I'm talking about this. Someone I vaguely knew at school. Um, his um, he did happen to be gay. Uh, and his surname was Batty, and he used to get a lot of shit for that, as you can imagine. Oh yeah, I can, uh, I can, yeah, yeah I can. Which uh, was very sad because he was a lovely, that. lovely person. But yeah. Anyway, not no. <laughs> I just really See you next like, week, everyone. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying it would have been it wouldn't have been sad if he wasn't a lovely person. Goodness me, might cut some of this. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, did you like this record? Or did yeah. you like Title Fight? Fucking hell, did you like Title Fight? I did like Title Fight um, quite a lot. I think Hyperview is particularly good. They're kind of like, I mean, it's well up my alley because it's like sort of an emo-esque band with a bit of screaming in, but also with kind of shoegaze elements. So, you know, that's going to be right up my cuppa, isn't it? Also, their first album, Shed, was produced by Walter Schreifels of Rifles, Ghouls and Quicksand who I fucking love and Gorilla Biscuits and all of those bands. Yeah. So all the bands. All the bands yeah. Like. And, and it was, it was Walter's um, involvement that kind of turned me onto them. Um, so yes, yeah, so I liked title five very much. I was quite, quite upset when I heard that they split up because they only did three albums and I thought that they were more or less, more or less getting better with each one pretty much. But um, yeah, the first Glitterer album. Um, oh shit me. What was it called? Through the Shades. Yep, I, I enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. It was fourteen songs long. Uh, the longest song on that album was two minutes and twenty seconds, and mm-hmm. I think I probably said at the time like this is kind of it's kind of that emo rock in a sort of nineties sort of sense thing, but for people with very very short attention spans, um, it's similar in a sense to kind of Joyce Manor in that all of the songs are just really really short the longest song on this album is two minutes and 31 seconds so they've really branched out by adding those additional 11 seconds um but um I think there are positives to that and there are negatives to it the positives to it are it really zips along um and it really feels like i mean i i don't know how long this album is but it's about 20 minutes isn't it it's not very it's not very long it's not at very, all it's not very long at all no. it's 12 songs the longest song is two minute 31 you know there's a couple of songs on here which are like one minute 20 and it really zips along it's quite bouncy and fun um and i kind of like that sometimes you just want a happy meal mm-hmm. and like it's a really nice kind of like sometimes you just want something just to just to fill a void um i I don't know i'm happy meals a bit harsh actually because i think the quality of this is is stronger than that i think there are you know some of these songs like bodies or didn't want it are kind of in the early weezer tradition or or you know joyce manor as i've already suggested um i don't think they're quite up to those standards but they are you know they are fun and they're well done and they're well written there are times 
And he did this on Through the Shades as well. There are times when um, he goes into a couple of deviations of these synthy interludes, which for me don't really add anything. Um, uh, there's a song called How a Song Should Go, which just sounds irritating to me, like a wet electronic fart. And it's only one minute and 18 seconds long, so it's not like it's a massive, massive issue. But I do question, why is it on there? Like, why is this on the record it's adding absolutely nothing and it's not like i need this record to be broken up it's only about 20 minutes long <laughs> you know it's not like you need to break it up with different things there's there's no there's nothing wrong with having songs that all sound in a similar mold if it's only going to be 20 minutes i think i think that works quite well mm -hmm. so i did wonder about that i think bird song fares a bit better it's not as annoying at least but still ultimately feels a little bit pointless um and you know i don't really understand the need to break up an album like this but sometimes they mix up the synths uh with the more full band approach such as on indeed or the end i think that's much more successful so yeah i do like it um what do you think about this oh i got a lot to say about this i'll tell you this oh. is a decent album it's like, yeah you, decent so yeah, it's yeah. It's short, fuzzy, emo-tinged songs with indie, an indie slacker vibe to it. And yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that, and I never thought I'd go, this album's too... Sh an album is too short. Like, that is a rare... It's rare to go, this album's too fucking short. But, I mean, I think the beauty of these songs, and they do it a fair bit, is that they get a lot in in such a brief time, and I think yeah. that's really cool. But then, I was just getting... There's a song in it called Try Harder Still, which is like Daniel Johnston meets Ride, and it's mm. fucking great. And then mm. it just ends. And I was like, you pricks, why have you ended that song? Or you prick, I should say, because it's only one bloke. Sorry. <laughs> Hope don't want to offend anyone else. Just one guy's a prick. Um, uh, he's not a prick. He's good. He's really good. <laughs> he is um, very good. Yeah. He's very good. But like, why are you ending that fucking song? Just I, I've... I think it's approaching songs. I, I do get, I do understand that. And actually, I felt that bit that way a little bit with the first record, particularly when we, when we reviewed, when I reviewed it. Um, what I discovered later on, I did keep going back to that first Glitter record a few times. And basically you get the, the songs don't ever become boring because effectively, rather than doing verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus or whatever, it's usually like a song structure for a Glitter song will be like verse, chorus, bridge, end. <laughs> like it's almost... Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. But there are so many times on this, like, I mean, you know, you mentioned how a song should go. 80 seconds of like a noise experiment and birds i mean bird song to me i was like i mean fucking hell mate i was i remember i was listening to it and i remember being i actually remember like tutting because i was like in the context of a normal <laughs> album i just say that's a little instrumental interlude yeah but because it's as short as everything else on the record but it's not even a song you're like you're you're you're, you're focusing on the wrong fucking things here and i like the shoegazy yeah. songs with the big riffs are yeah. the ones that i gravitate to the sure. most yeah same because they you go okay right i know what i'm getting there like fire on um fire sorry it's not called fire on it's called fire is my favorite in the whole album and again you know it really it's two minutes long it reminds me of the cure it's really really cool he manages to do all the stuff within a two minute period but there's sometimes like it started like there's a song in it called um uh and indeed is that what it's called indeed indeed, not and yeah. indeed. Yeah. it's called indeed oh i and, like that one okay yeah but it pissed me off because it's too short and undeveloped, it's like a really great tune and a really great melody, but you just sort of bailed on it. It's mad to me that you would bail on it that quickly. And like, I think there's a, I think there's, there's like mud, like there's, 
didn't want it on there as well. It's like got kind of mud honey on downers. And I thought, and I really liked it. And it just, it's not even like it does something and then it sort of fades out. It just stops dead. It just goes, boom, see you later, I'm out. You're like, wait, no, 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 no. They just stop. <laughs> I get, just going to stop. I get. Fucking hell. I totally get exactly where you're coming from because on initial listens to their first record, to his first record, I felt exactly the same. I was like, you've got some really good ideas here and you could draw them out a little bit more. But I think the overall effect, especially once we get to album, well, this is album two, album three, album four. If you go and see Glitter Alive and you're getting like a, you know, 30 song set with all these like great little, I I think that could be really, really cool. Like really cool. And I think it kind of, Often when listening to the Glycera records, I tend to just sort of let them loop two or three times because it feels like three listens of a Glycera record is like one listen of a normal record in a weird way. It's just it, the songs are approached in quite a different way. And I admire that, yeah. but I but I do understand that there are I, drawbacks to that approach as well. I, there re- I think there really are drawbacks to it. I mean, for, I, I'm going to give you an example from outside of this record, right, of, of what it means. Right? Because the thing is... is it, if you get, and I, I I do really admire bands that can write that, you know, they're like Dylan. So you get the Dillinger escape plan and sometimes they'll do a riff for like three bars and then it's gone forever. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. are you mad? Yeah. That's amazing. Why yeah. are you mad? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and, um, you know, it's like Phil Anselmo called Pantera. Everything's the money riff. It's the fucking money mm-hmm. riff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're leaning in on how great that riff was. And I think if you get a great riff, or you get a great part or a really great chorus. You kind of want to, you know, you don't have to, but you kind of want to I, make the make as much of it as you possibly can. And there is um, uh, my morning song by the Black Crows. You know that song from um, Southern, Southern Harmony, Harmony yeah, 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 yeah. and a Musical Companion. One of the, it's not it's not the last song. It's the second to last song. When they when when they get to that point, you know the bit where he's like going. Music gonna make around and make your soul glow and make your heart go and, and it goes up and up and then watch me down mm-hmm. to the sevens and that has got such a great riff that song and that part and it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and it's amazing and you think on the last like round of the riff they're gonna let Chris Robinson's voice cut out and they're going to do the riff one more time. And I was like, that that's how that song has to end. Because what a great way. He does this massive build. Ah, did your soul go? And then the riff comes in one more time. But it doesn't. Chris Robinson finishes singing and the song finishes. Mm-hmm. And every time I listen to it, I'm like, you could just do the fucking riff one more time. Do the riff one more time. It would have been so good. It would have been so good. And they and, they, and every single time, I absolutely love that song mm. i fucking love it but i just always go man you needed to do that riff one more time mm. if i could go back in time and go into the studio the black crows and go you could do that riff one more time right and then like, oh, i never thought of that like, and i'm like i cannot believe you haven't even thought of that of course that needs to go <laughs> one more time and i feel like that about so many of these songs like just do the riff one more time don't I just end. I totally get what you're saying. I think with the Black Crow example, that could have just been like a quote unquote mistake. I mean, I'm not going to say it definitely was a mistake, but it could have been a mistake. But with Ned Russin mm. and Glycera, it's clear that he's very much doing that on purpose. You know, like I say, it's kind of um, uh, 
this kind of emo pop indie thing for people with very very short attention spans and i i i do i like i say I think there are positives and negatives to that. I can totally understand where you're coming from. I think it might make the album last with people longer. Um, but I think it would probably, I think there would be a lot of people who feel that way and are like, why aren't there repeating parts? Why haven't you repeated that riff? Why isn't, you know, and then be turned off of it for that reason. But I think for exactly the same reason, some people will really embrace it and it'll become quite a cult-ish thing. I can see that, but I mean, uh, you know, I'm saying you take out how a song should go and Birdsong, which is only three minutes of the record. And if you added 15 seconds to the uh, to those 10 songs, it would still be the same length, but it would just have a like occasionally, I think. I mean, I, I kind of admire him for just being like, nah, see you later. I was like, mm. fair play, mate. You've really you've done something great and you're not scared to like cut it mm. and you've annoyed me. So, <laughs> you know. That's, I mean, that's not really much of an achievement, to be fair. But, um, <laughs> but it, you know, but it like, but you did it and, you know, you are sticking, you know, he's very much sticking to his guns on this one. And I, yeah. I admire that. And like you yeah. say, I think it is, like you say, a stylistic choice. It's clearly a made. choice. Yeah, it's clearly a choice. It's, it's yeah. just one that really, that ups, not upset me, but like annoyed me. Because mm. I was like, I was really enjoying that. I get that. I, I do get And it annoyed yeah. me at least four times on the record. Right. I do Which get Which is a 12-song record, if if four times you're getting pissed off as the song ends. Mm. It's not... A, like, for me, that ain't a great thing. But then it's not really... I can't really have a go at him for it and go, oh, I'm not getting annoyed because it's shit. I'm getting mm. annoyed because it's good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, quite. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of... Yeah, uh, it's not a bad thing. Mm. I mean, I suppose it is, it, like, I am kind of talking about it like it is a bad thing. But, you know, I mean, that's the thing is I actually like this record. I actually like it. I just wish that it, it didn't, like, you know, Code Orange sound great when they just go vroom and pull the rug out from under mm. you. Type a negative. Like, wait nine minutes before they just go vroom. We're yeah, stopping that yeah, now. Yeah. Whereas, like, wait in 90 seconds and you go, oh, this is a really good bit and it's really catchy and it's super melodic and stuff. Don't just pull the rug out from that. I totally, People like that. I totally get what you're saying. Because Feels like I, being spiteful. <laughs> I remember feeling the same. I remember feeling the same about looking through the shades. Um, I remember feeling the same about the first record. And I think when we came to review it, I said something similar. And then going back to it after reviewing it, it grew on me. It's like, weirdly, this is a record which sounds like it should be really instantaneous, but really it grows on you the more you listen to it as a result of that, I think. So... I, I get it. You're either going to enjoy that approach. In fact, you're probably going to love that approach or you're going to find it very irritating or you might find it irritating at first and then but stick with the record and realise that that's actually a positive thing because you won't get as bored of the record as a whole as quickly. Um, but it is an it is an unusual choice, but it is exactly that unusual choice which makes Glitterer interesting and makes them stand out, I think. So, yeah, I, I get everything you're saying. And and mm. but I think that's exactly what makes Glitterer interesting compared to the other. Yeah, I artists. I, I think you're, I think you're probably right. To be yeah. fair, yeah. Um, it's definitely interesting, and it definitely will stick with me. 
and I will remember it. And there are definitely things that I really, 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 really like on this record. Really like. I, I will I say, just... I, I prefer looking through the shades. So if you really like this record, I definitely think you should check that out. And it will only take you 20 minutes. So <laughs> but... yeah, it's going to annoy me as much as this. <laughs> the thing is, it's, like, yeah, it's weird to be like, I like this record, but God damn it annoys me. Right. <laughs> okay. I bet maybe I just need to. Maybe I. <laughs> well, maybe I need to know when it's going to end mm. and be ready for it. But it's quite hard to get ready for the end of something when you're just like, "Ooh, oh, it's over." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of feelings like that. I do, I do get that. But I think that will also really appeal to some people. Yeah. I think it will. It's really a bit like that bit in um, Big Trouble in Little China where uh, <laughs> Kurt Russell's trying to get his knife out of the thing, and they're having the big fight, and then he stands up and goes, "Ha ha!" and he's got his knife in his hand, and everybody's had a fight already, and they've all <laughs> like been killed. And he's just like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> It's just like that. It's just, just like, like that. that. The musical equivalent of Big Trouble in Little China. Of Kurt Russell bit. not being able to get a knife <laughs> out of his boots. <sighs> but it's quite good. See you it? later. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I quite <laughs> like it. All right, that's uh, it's called Life Is Not a Lesson. It's by Glitterer. It's out nigh. Know what that was anyway look that's it we're, we're, we're out thanks very much for listening go to signaturebrew.co.uk and put right act into the checkout and you'll get 10 percent off all of your purchases of the lovely beverages which are ideal for um socially distanced walks uh in the dark through woods with a childhood friend um which is what i do with them or just drinking in your pit like renfrey does <laughs> Yeah, pouring 18 yeah, yeah. cans in the bath and just getting in uh next week we're going to be reviewing kings of leon and terror Who might be knows. who knows I mean, next God. week's a bit of the air at the moment yeah so. if that's not enough to fucking make you not want to turn up next week and i don't know what is i think even i want to turn up next week if we're going to be doing kings of leon and terror but it's, yeah, we might we'll, does, we does, might we might be probably something else as well bend them off we'll see <laughs> we'll see yeah uh, and go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast, where you can get some excellent new um, uh, exclusive content. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, anyway, that's it. See you later.